Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. What's up, Joey? Hey, Joey Magidson, Awards Radar. I'm going to try not to cry, even though I know you're the crier of the group. I am. Uh, I am the big crybaby, which I brought to bear in this movie. I, I was tired of people making fun of me online going, he always cries. I was like, I'll show you. Yeah. No, listen, I, I cried in the movie. But I, my favorite thing when I tell people about what I do is, and I've told you this before, like I, you know, I cover the awards race. Like what's going to win the Oscars? And I go, oh, who's your favorite filmmaker? And I go, Kevin Smith. And they immediately stare at me. <laughs> yes. um, but I, I mean, listen, how many people have a red state shirt? Look at that, man. That's true. I never see those. That is deep cuts right there. I got a Tusk, I don't want to die in Canada. Whoa, whoa, man. I don't want to die in Canada shirt. Very deep I mean, cuts. The boys, the boys got my Jay and Silent Bob one. I wore long sleeves in the summer like a true idiot. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, the OG fat man. Oh, my God. That was with the one of the birthday shirts. Yeah. Around. That's some, that, you got some shit that not everyone gets. Well done. I, listen, I get more out of your movies than a lot of people get, so it makes sense. Um, I got to say, having the song from Tusk in this one, such a beautiful moment. Wasn't it great? Like, I, I look, I love how Tusk closes yeah. with uh, Gerard Way does a very haunting cover of Oh, Wally, Wally. But, you know, Tusk being what it is, I always felt bad that a song that beautiful ends a movie that fucked up that like not a lot of people will engage with. Not a lot of people will make it to that song. That's true. They'll get out of the movie early. They'll cut and run. So I when I was putting the montage together for Clerks 3, I remembered that song and I was like, let me see. Let me see if that would pan out. And I pulled it off the internet and laid it under the montage. And it was like, it just started falling in all the right places. And there was a certain symmetry to Gerard's voice opening the movie and then also kind of closing it as well. That seemed to make sense, but good eye. Well done, man. See, between that and the I'm from New Jersey song, like I, that is the underrated thing. I think that none of people talk about with you is your music cues are always very much on point And and even if someone isn't responding to the movie, and like we can be honest, it happens. Um, the music does. Yeah. The music is always on point. You know, I I point to like Chasing Amy was the first time I saw a movie where they didn't get together at the end. Like it, it was a whole like that can happen in a movie. Right. You're like, where's the happy ending, man? Yeah. I mean, wait. The song is kind of about like a threesome. Like the movie was. You know, you start to like piece things together that you didn't you didn't realize. I'm just the the movie. I'm just trying not to cry um no the movie is just it's so beautiful and those moments i think are are such a great elevation of what is already a strong scene but you know i I think a different filmmaker you can say better you can say worse would have done a different thing they would have just had music they would have gotten silent there's something about that song fitting a mood and then the i'm from new jersey song just so clearly fitting the not resignation, but just this is what life is. People, it is. It is so. I've been trying to use that John Gorka song in a movie for years. Yeah. Like uh, you know, it's such a great ode to the Garden State. And uh, they first used it. I heard it years ago in a Jeff Goldblum movie with Rory Cochran called Fathers and Sons. Yeah, and fell in love with it way back then. Tried to put it in Jersey Girl, couldn't make that work. So you know, so there's, there's a part of me that wanted. Then. There's a part of me that wanted to end this one, of course, with a Soul Asylum song because Clerks and Clerks 2 ended that way. But that John Gorka song is so powerful that I was like, come on, this is the moment. This is the moment. Well, that, that speaks to, I think, like knowing, OK, I, I 
I want the symmetry. And I mean, even this movie, this movie has plot points you didn't use in the first movie. So like, yes. there's, I, I thought as soon as it ended, I went, you've been trying to do that for a long time. And yes. I don't know how people are going to feel about it, but I know it must make you happy. And it does, you know, if for, I, I, it's, it's, uh, I was de- denied as a storyteller for decades on one of these points. And, uh, it was always inevitable that we would get there, but um, it hopefully like the first time around, if we had done it, it would have uh, been cheap. Hopefully this time it comes with value. Yeah. Oh no. I think the first time it would have felt like he's trying to do something. And I think the thing about clerks is no one ever said that. Like, I don't know what he's trying to do because I'd never seen it before. It's like every, you know, every movie made after clerks, every movie made after, you know, reservoir dogs and Pulp Fiction. Who's trying to do Tarantino? Who's trying to do Kevin right. Smith? You, you don't ever, it's never a compliment. Even if it's kind of meant like, like Bullet Train just came out, people like it. Like, oh, it's a good Tarantino ripoff. Like, <laughs> what's to be told they made a good ripoff? Like, that's, <laughs> right. not, that's not fun. I uh, That's what I was aiming for with Clerks 3. I was like, I want to make a good Clerks ripoff. Let me see if I can do it. And okay. I had the benefit of like telling, making of Clerks stories for like 30 years to audiences and knowing what works. And then the last few years telling the heart attack story. So I knew that shit worked. I was able to cherry pick and put stuff out there that like really give the movie a skeleton. Like, you know, I, it's a big thing about with me, authenticity and clerks is dripping with it. Oh, yeah. Like it's so earnest and so authentic and I'll never be able to pull that off again, you know, cause the magic tricks over, you've met me, you know, my shtick and I don't live in that world anymore. Guy made clerks like literally worked at that store. So, like, I don't get to put that authenticity in a movie. If I was going to make a true clerk sequel, I would find that guy on I on, on uh, TikTok who does the IKEA videos, where he's got the mustache and like he pretends to be a customer bitching, and then he moves the camera close to his face, dramatic music kicks in, and he bitches at the customer. Like that to me is a person who's in the trenches and understands retail. I couldn't do that version of the movie anymore. I don't work in retail. I own a retail establishment and shit. What I could bring to it though, authentically was the heart attacks that did happen to me and the movie. I did make one of those. And I think that's what boosts the movie up, gives it its structure, so to speak. It's based on real. If we could get away with based on a true story, we should have done it. It comes back to what you always said. Like, I need $7 million in Ben Affleck to tell this very important story. (laughs) And then from this to yoga hosers, they all do feel like I need to make it because no one else will. And then that's, you can feel that. So I know there's a million more of these to go. I've been, this took 15 years to happen. So trust me, I'm, I relish every moment. And, and just to wrap up, I, I was actually at the one in Jersey. I sat behind your mom. Um, you went to the screen. Was the one that was slightly out of sync the whole time? Yeah. I, I was the one who asked you about um, to what happens at the end to the film. And you said, Oh, I'm going to, I'm thinking about saying what happens. And lo and behold, there's there's the voice of Smod at the end. That is one of my favorite things that I got to add. And it came and we were doing the mix and they were putting the they mixed the last reel. And I was like, what song are you know, we had one more piece of Jim music, the Jim Venable music that went all the way to the end. And I was like, Jim, can you clear out and just give me like a few minutes? I like I I think I'd like to take the stage. And that was something I first did in Tusk, like in the credits. We just started playing the audio from the podcast and I'm like, this is amazing. Like one more place to stick my voice. And, and it, it gave me this opportunity to like, kind of, you know, the whole movie, a good filmmaker. Like I, I was, I, this is so weird. I was just at a wedding this weekend where I ran into David Fincher of all people. And I'd never met Fincher before. So I was like, that's what you look like. 
And I told him, I was like, I talk about you all the time, man. I said, number one, I'm a fan. I think you're a genius. But number two, I always refer to you as a real filmmaker because you can make a movie and put it out there and you don't say shit. Like the movie speaks for itself. I'm the other guy. Once the movie's over, I come out and be like, hold on, let me tell you the story of how this all happened. And this, this little beat at the end of the movie gave me a chance to do that, even if I'm not in the room. Like on the convenience tour, I can come out and say all those things if I want to. But like for the rest of the movie's life, when people watch it on home video, it was a nice way to be like, in case you didn't understand what this movie was all about, I'm here. Let me just tell you, uh, and and I get to talk at the same time. It, it was I was glad that it that, that was a last minute addition, man. But you're right; it probably has its origins, and like you asking about. Amazing! All this for me just saying your mom was very nice. She was a sweet, sweet lady. She cried watching that movie. I talked to her after watching it, and I was like, "What are you crying about, mom?" And she was like, "You know, when you pull up, when he pulls up in the beginning of the movie, she's like, I used to do that with you. I used to drive you to that store." and drop you off to go to work. So she's like, it's not just your life, it's my life, which is a running theme in the movie. Like Randall's always like, it's my life. And everyone's like, uh, it's my life too. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. This is absolute pleasure, pleasure, man. Thanks for wearing a red state shirt to that rocks. Just wait until I write about this. Just wait. <laughs> See you later. Martin McDonough has, uh, in fairly short order and, and four feature films really established himself as a, a voice in cinema that people respond to in a, in a big way, maybe even in a bigger way than, than he expects. Um, as you're going to hear in our conversation, when he sat down to, uh, to write and then direct the Banshees of Anishirin, he sort of expected this would be the smaller one, especially coming off of three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. You know, that was a bigger film. That was a, a broader film in some ways, you know, he was expecting a lighter response. Um, and I would argue that Banshees has had a, as strong a response right up there within Bruges as well. Um, this filmmaker has also made Seven Psychopaths, a really underrated film, and, and actually directed the short uh, Six Shooter, which is what he has his Academy Award for. He actually is an Oscar winner. So um, he hasn't won for a feature, but he's won, won for Best Live Action Short. And he's also just a really funny, really interesting guy to talk to which makes sense considering his films and his uh, his writing style. Everything he does is so interesting when you watch it. It's It was a pleasure to talk to him. So I'm just thrilled to present this interview to you guys now. Um, the film is coming out this weekend. So depending on when you listen to this, you'll have already been able to see the movie. My review out of uh, Toronto is up on the site. And without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Martin McDonough. How are you, sir? Good, Joey. How are you? I'm um, I'm doing all right. I was I'm better today than yesterday. I had a had a bad sports night yesterday, so you know. Oh, who 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 lost? Uh, the Mets baseball. So you know, no they're soccer. Always, riots, they're but... always losing. Why is that a surprise? Yeah, I I know. This is this is the problem with getting upset over it. They're like, you're 35. <laughs> You've had this most of your life. I'm like, I know. So hey, I, I heard that they were. Well, let's just talk about the Mets. I heard that they were in second place after being leading all season. Have they yep. gone even worse now? What's, what's they 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 were ahead by ten and a half games. They tied for first place and lost the tiebreaker because they lost to a team. And then the playoffs, they got eliminated in three games. And yeah, it's great. And the team that they tied with, that 
is about as good as they are, is playing a way worse team and is losing to the worst team right now. So let's talk about your movie before I kill someone. Um, you know, your happy, happy movie, as opposed to my personality, right? Um, I'm, I'm always sort of in awe with the specificity with which you write, but also in the way that it's universal. So, you know, when I was talking to Barry yesterday, like he talked about, it's very much a movie about, you know, friendship and two guys. And I was like, it is, but it also is a giant metaphor and is educating you on Irish history in a way that, you know, I'm probably not having a conversation about Irish history most days, but <laughs> I could talk about this movie all day. It's a great, you know, Trojan horse sounds like it's more, you know, highfalutin than it is. But obviously when you sit down and write something, there are, you know, a lot of ideas in your head maybe before they coalesce. But what, for this project or anyway, like, what's the first thing that becomes, I think I have a new idea. It's a new play. It's a new script. I just, I have something I want to write down. Um, with this one, it was like the simplicity of of the breakup story, you know, just yeah. literally, I, I think that the Irish Civil War aspect, you know, adds to it and has metaphorical, you know, interesting metaphorical aspects to the, the outer, to the main story. But really, it was about, as you said, specificity. I can't say specificity. I, <laughs> try, spe- I struggled, I tried that. <laughs> The specificity of the sadness of of a simple breakup, you know, that was that was all I really wanted to to explore and get right. You know, the sadness of that, the sadness on both sides of it, almost. You know, sometimes it's it's equally knowing you have to break up with someone is kind of a horrible place to be in as well. Um, but um, so yeah, to getting that as as specific and real and sad as possible was first and foremost in all of our minds i think colin and brendan yeah. you know getting to the truth of it you, you don't you don't i think you know that the the the, the backdrop the civil war is going to be more something that will be peppered through the edit but on a daily basis it's just about getting the sadness of the of the breakup correct oh yeah no if you if you told them okay so this is where if this if this was the war this is where you would be right now like that it kills the the performance. You know, you have to believe that these are two friends and they're reacting in completely separate ways. Like you said, the edit will fill in the the extra bits for you. And I think also, you know, a lot of times if you're good at what you do, people will add things to it that you're like, I did that. Yeah, you know what? I did. Th- I did do that. Or you know, I'll take, I'll take credit for it. <laughs> exactly. Unless you didn't like it, then no, no, no. You're projecting. That's not what I did. Um, <laughs> But it is, it is true. Like any good story is about more than one thing. You know, you may sit down and write this, like you said, focused on the friendship. But someone may watch and go, this is 100 percent about the Irish Civil War. You know, I'm I'm sure with three billboards, you had all sorts of reactions to like, oh, that's the movie I wrote and made. All right, cool. I mean, but, I, but I think also, interestingly, with this um, uh, yeah, the the I, I've been kind of intrigued that uh, you, you never know once you've, even though you, you might like it once it's finished, but bef- before anyone's seen it, you know, I, I, I probably didn't think it was going to go over as well as it seems to be already. You know, I thought it might be a very kind of, it's an intimate, you know, Irish story. And I didn't realize that uh, the connection, you know, so many people over here would would, would take it and run with it. Um, that's always kind of a joy of, of putting something out into the world, you know, that, that, that it that it connects, you know, and this one seems to, and it's surprising to me that it's connected with so many people. Because right. at its core, it's like, I did this for me. Like, this was the one that made me feel better. And then, all right, what's the next movie? Oh, you guys love this one? All right. 
great. <laughs> like two birds, one stone. This is fantastic. Yeah, I'll churn um, out some more of that stuff. Yeah. And also with, with film, you know, people ingest it in so many different ways. You know, if you write a play, people will ingest it in two ways. They will read the play or they'll go see it. And they've set aside time to go see it. There's plenty of people who do that with film. But there's also the second life of, oh, well, someone might rent it at home when it's on VOD. They might buy the DVD. Like, there's a world in which they're watching it on this. It's not a good world, but, like, it's a world we have. Yeah. So, you know, like, however someone... Yeah, you're like, all right, I guess they rented it. I got a nickel out of that, sure. But, you know, there's there's so many different ways someone can watch a film that I think it leads to a lot of people responding to maybe, like, oh, that's the one you respond to? All right, yeah, it hit yeah. you at the right time. Because you, I feel like going to a play, you also, like, that's my day. You know, you don't do seven things that day. That's, like, this is the highlight of the day is going to watch theater. Yeah, so, yeah. People, like, it's raining. I guess I'll go watch a movie. <laughs> exactly. But I like that about it, too. <laughs> but also, like, in this day and age, you do have to protect, I think, uh, the theater-going, the movie-going experience. Oh, you know, and that, that's why on this, we've, like, said it's going to be two months in the cinemas, and you definitely can't see it anywhere else until you do. Because you do. this this one, like sit, sitting in an auditorium and hearing the laughter at this, you know, it might seem like it's a sad sad movie on the page or in the trailer or whatever, but it's like big laughs. And and unless you're there with other people, um, you know, obviously it's not infectious unless you're you're around people. And I think that's oh, yeah. it's a great thing about having I to mean, go to movies. Yeah, I saw it at, at Toronto at the film festival, and yeah, if you. It's also places maybe you wouldn't expect there to be laughter sometimes, but it's it's like, okay, cool. I, I know the type of environment I'm watching this in. And that's always that's always good because especially, you know, we spent a year watching them, you know, on this, on the on the computer. And a good movie is a good movie. Like there were some amazing films that that year, but it does have a harder barrier of entry just because it's it's harder not to want to get up and get a drink or look at your phone and maybe yeah. you're just not as engaged. But you know, you I do think if if this had been something a lot more easy to watch at home, maybe you don't key in on like how funny Colin's character is. He's like a like a sad puppy who just wants to be your friend, and like he's also kind of like peeing on the floor at the same time. And you're like, I don't think you're helping your cause there, bud. But like, <laughs> I, I forgive you. But like, and even just the like the sadness of it, like the the sort of gruesomeness of what Brendan says he's gonna do, is still kind of funny in a dark comedy way. Of like, yeah, this is how far I'll go to shut you up. Yeah, I think that's really funny. I think that is a funny moment. But um, but I'm a sicko like you. Oh yeah, no, like I I still maintain that one of the 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 biggest laughs I got out of the Three Billboards, which was one of my favorite movies that year, is still um, Sam Rockwell going, "See, I got problems with white people too." Just like it's such a dark joke of just like, "Oh, I hate everyone." Like you're okay. This this character has major issues, and I shouldn't be laughing. But there's something funny about just like saying the worst possible thing. Yeah, yeah, true. Tell me about it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's guilty, but it's <laughs> and it's just funny. Like, like you said, you you sort of thought this was going to be like the smaller one, the one that we get like the polite, you know, notice, and then you know, in ten years, people be like, you know, that was the one that was really the good one. Like, <laughs> yeah, when, when you're yeah. making it, when do you when do you feel like you've hit something? Because I like when I talk to actors about that, and they're always like, well, I never knew. I thought I was getting fired every day of this. <laughs> but, you know, like. You, you know, when you call cut and maybe like look at a daily or something, there's probably a point where you go, I like this. This is this is worth my time. You know, like there's a there's a yeah. progressive like, wait, this might be really good. I I, th I think it's sort of during the scenes like I, I'll usually mark in my own script, like the one line 
in in a scene which is the most important line of the scene in this one it was usually the sadder kind of heartbreaking lines mm-hmm. and i would know that on the day of shooting that's the one we have to get definitely get right and i, I will never move on until we have got exactly uh the truth i guess of, of those lines um and as as the film goes on and you you complete each scene and you know you've got that truth in that scene it that's when it sort of starts that's when you start being hopeful about it you can't really there's so much going on there's so many scenes so many you know shots and setups that you hope i think you if you know you've seen the truth of it you know you'll have like a string of 100 scenes with truth in yeah it's only in the edit that you you really kind of get a sense of that adds up to a bigger truth i think so so it so it's so there are aspects of the shooting where you're, you're feeling okay this could be good because of that but it's only really really at the end of the edit that you you'll know if it adds up to anything at all and then it's not until you see it with an audience that you know if it's going to work for other people too right and it's wild because you're you know one-stop shop you know you're writing it you're directing it like you know, there's there's a world in which you you know you hand it off and hope that happens, but instead, you know, it's in a way I'm sure it's stressful because it's all on me. But at the same time, you know, I'm gonna sink or swim based on this. And as a bonus, I'm working with actors I've worked with before who I'm comfortable with, who I know if they're on their game can do this and can can make me look better, and I can make them like like we can all take credit for each other's work and it'll be great. Yeah. And it's it's just you can tell. It's going to sound weird, but like, like everyone wants to be there. Like everyone is just fully in it. And this is the only thing they want to be doing that day. And, and it's fun. And even if it's heavy, it's fun. And like, I love seeing that because, you know, the, the like worst project you're on is still better than literally basically any other job paid, paid <laughs> to make pretend like this is great. Like who's, who's going to catch on and stop us eventually. But like, you know, especially like Colin and Brendan, we get to go, you know, like back in time into Irish history and like, play with our friends essentially like what's better exactly exactly uh it is it's it's fun and it's intriguing um but um i think one of the things with this though was was like we we as a threesome you know loved in bruges and what how how that came to have so much affection for people but part of the challenge and the stress of this was not letting people down not letting like an in bruges fan come to this and see something that's piece of shit or just subpar you know or even uh, just a different personality because i remember when the guard came out it was like oh brendan's in the guard and like you know people loved it but there were some people who were just like well that's not in bruges and you want to be like well there's there's a lot of differences here you should probably know about like but exactly. it's great that you're following a character actor like we love this but yeah it's it's you definitely want people to be satisfied but also have a new experience exactly exactly and i think that the one, the one, one of the big things I'm happy. I, I think any Imbruge fan will like this in different ways to Imbruge, but I hope they. I don't think they'll be disappointed. No, you know um, what I mean. Definitely, and I think it's as as we wrap up. It's a great like sort of through line for your career of like I can tell a sadder story, I can tell a darker story. You know, they're all dark to different degrees, but I can still find the heart and I can still find the humor. You know, that you can trace a line from Imbruge to Seven Psychopaths to Three Billboards to this and go. I know the same person is making these and I know that they're working out the things that are in their mind, but they're also looking to entertain me. And that's a really underrated quality, I think, in 
in what could be perceived as heavy cinema. Like, no, no, yeah. you should have a good time and walk out and like, if not with a smile on your face, but be like, I want to talk to someone about that. And like, I don't feel like I need to go slip my wrists. I want to like tell someone to go watch this movie so we can talk about it. Exactly, exactly. So I'll, I'll ask you one. Did, how did you come out of this one? Was it with sadness or with hope or with joy or with what? It was a, it was a combination. It was, it was, I was entertained and enjoyed myself. And I was a little sad just because of this is how conflicts never end. Like people dig in and nothing ever gets solved. And, you know, you sort of like weep for that. But also you're like, well, maybe I'm better than that. But I don't know. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are better than I am. That's not going to happen. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> they have their moments. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. This is great. I'm, I'm a fan of the work and I, I can't wait to see how far this goes, especially since it's kind of like a, an unexpected surprise for you to be like, wait, everyone loves this. All right, let's do this ride again. Exactly. Thank you, Jay. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. This is Abe Freetanzer from Awards Radar, and I'm so excited to be here with Anthony Kerrigan talking about his role on Barry. How are you, Anthony? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, of course. I actually, I will admit, I don't think I had seen any footage of you not from the show. And so I was like, what is he going to sound like? I think it's the best fake accent ever, but I oh, don't cool. want to spoil this. You know, I think he grew up like an hour from me in Massachusetts, but, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know most people are a little taken aback when they when they realize that I do not actually sound like a Chechen monster. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to say they're always let down, but, you know, they usually ask for, like, just to be sure, like, let me hear the voice. <laughs> do you, like, walk around the set and, you know, do stuff in rehearsal in your normal voice, or are you just there and you're no Hank right away? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm by no means a method actor. I, <laughs> I can't do that stuff. No, I'm, 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 just, I'm just antsy in, in between takes, but... But it's kind of surprising, though, because as soon as the camera's rolling, I just kind of, you know, pop into Hank and then, you know, the world's a much brighter place. Well, I'm not sure what kind of Chechen fan base Barry has, but have you heard from real people who are either impressed or unimpressed with your work? I mean, listen, fingers crossed that I'm not going to encounter anyone, especially in any mob scenario, who's unimpressed. <laughs> um, but uh, no, so far, I mean, I don't know. I've gotten just really the, the response has been really wonderful and you know just to see someone yeah like kind of from that part of the world that's just like upbeat cheery you know really sort of super happy as opposed to dour and kind of you know really serious I, i've gotten i've gotten some some people who have been appreciative in, in that regard but uh but no the, the outpouring from fans has just been it's been ridiculous it's been so cool what do you love most about noho hank um Oh, I love, he's just unsinkable. You know, he's this kind of super optimistic guy. I, I literally almost just went into his voice. <laughs> um, hard to use words like super as adjectives without, without Hank just um, popping out. But I think that he's, um, he's a really human, you know, he's a real kind of, uh, kind of a zany character, but he really does have a heart and he really does kind of, um, you know, the way it's written, there's just so much nuance to him. And, and to get to play a character like that is just, you know, it's, it's a gift. I especially loved his romance with Cristobal in this season because it was just something so sweet and so sincere, surrounded even more than everything with Barry and all the violence around him. It was just like there was death and destruction everywhere, and they were just like into each other. Yeah, it was the storyline that certainly kind of buoyed up 
uh, all the really, really dark stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like that, that storyline certainly took, um, took a dark, a dark twist, um, you know, towards the end, but I, I loved working, uh, you know, on that story so much just because, you know, working with Michael Irby is fantastic. We have such great chemistry together. And, and I just, it, it was so wonderful to kind of find this new, this new uh, facet of, of Hank and, and see who he is behind closed doors, see what he's like in a relationship and uh, find all those, all those little details. Well, before we get back to the fun stuff, let's talk about that finale. That must have been an unusually grueling experience uh, to shoot. Yes, it, it certainly was. It was a very, uh, it was a very long day. Um, I think probably the most challenging thing about it, and and I, I say challenging. I mean, it's first of all just it was so rewarding to be able to uh, be put into the situation, you know, as an actor where the character is is you know, in such a wild uh, situation. So just going in as an actor, I was just so excited to be able to, to sink my teeth into it. Uh, and actually doing it itself was a real technical exercise and very demanding because, I mean, I got to hear the, uh, the other actors kind of do, do their thing and make it sound like they were kind of, you know, being tortured to death. And but but when it came down to my coverage, it was basically Bill Hader, like sitting right in front of me, just telling me, giving me all the cues of like, okay, now, now that, you know, this panther enters, and now this is going on, and I just had to kind of react off of off of Bill. But it was a great exercise just in terms of using my imagination, uh, being present in the moment and surprising myself. But yeah, it was, I, I definitely like, slept very well that night, you know. What is it like working with Bill on camera and off camera? It's always so surprising how quickly he can shift uh, between just being an actor and, and inhabiting the role of Barry and then just being a really easygoing person, uh, you know, in between takes to then wearing this hat as a director and, and a writer that's just he just, he's on top of it at, at all times. He's so efficient and so clear in terms of what he wants. So it makes, it makes everyone's job a whole lot easier, but we, we certainly take time to just kind of joke around and, and make each other laugh. I mean, he's, he's notorious for that. <laughs> Are there any other actors or scene partners who are particularly entertaining to work with? I mean, uh, like it's, you know, a, a lot of our storylines have been kept pretty, you know, pretty, pretty separate from each other. Uh, anytime I get to see any of the cast members, I mean, whether it's, whether it's Henry or, or Sarah or, uh, or Steven, they're all just such wonderful people. And I'm so excited when I get to see their, uh, see their work come together, but they're all just such characters too. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm so lucky to kind of be, uh, be working on this wonderful show with each of them. And, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully, who knows? Who knows what, what sort of lineups there will be in season four. Yeah, I assume there's nothing you can say about that if you even know anything about it. I know some things, but uh, yeah, take, taking it to the grave. Or, or essentially taking it into what I could talk about it like <laughs> next year. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Well, there's plenty of great stuff from season three. I mean, I think my favorite moment, there was that, that episode with the 
uh, bakery uh, employee who, you know, had this sort of more, you wanted to do more than just that. And I think if I remember correctly, you were the first one to talk to him. And it seemed like a very, like the back and forth dynamic actually worked. Everyone else wasn't sort of like interacting the same way, but it seemed like Hank might actually be interested in this, this kind of thing. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Beignets by Mitch. I mean, what a, what an incredible, what an incredible character. Uh, It, you know, that, that guy was so good. And it was just, um, yeah, this kind of amazing thing. When you actually rewatch it and look at it, you're like, oh, wow, he actually kind of had the best advice. <laughs> like, if everyone had followed Mitch's advice, like, <laughs> Mitch's kind of, like, monotone, stoned out of his mind advice, like, the show would, I mean, like, everyone, all these characters would have probably been uh, in a much better position. But, uh, but yeah, I remember specifically probably not even really being able to get through the first take because he was so funny. I also enjoyed uh, uh, Hank's enthusiasm about his first interrogation. Yep. That was a yep. lot of fun. Yeah, big time. It was, <laughs> it was great. It was like, you know, it was like the first day of school, basically. And all of his little, like, uh, you know, che- Chechen mobster buddies were, like, making sure that he was all ready for it. You know, it's like, it's a big day, you know, first first police interrogation, you know, wanted to make sure he looked good, felt good. And, uh, and yeah, delivered this ridiculous story about the Raven, uh, you know, with, with style. I also like that he was just trying to be polite before he was about to get knocked out because he knew it was going to happen, but he just wanted to be nice. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Where, well, you mean when, in, when he's uh, in Bolivia watching the guy who's putting together the blow dart gun. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was so much fun. Yeah, it's it's just a testament to Hank, um, just Hank's naivete and and consideration for people. And obviously, being in the world of crime, it's not the best thing to have. You know, it, it's it's just a complete trust. You know that that people have you know his best interests at heart. But um, but who knows? You know, it's it's. Hank is kind of changing. He changed between seasons one and two and then seasons two and three. So who knows, you know, who knows where it'll go. Are we supposed to call him Hank or no Hank? That's what I'm always not sure about. I think he's fine with either, honestly. Of course, he would be fine with either. He's the nicest guy in the world. Totally. I mean, I feel like he would just be like, you know what, Hank, no ho Hank, just live your life, you know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's. Who knows? Like share nicknames. Ultimately, if if you have a nickname you want to be called, then you know it's like let's compare notes and and uh, you know compare origin stories. I like that. And so you're nominated for your second Emmy, which is very exciting. Very uh, cool. Yeah. <clears throat> what is it like to be up against your co-star, or not really your other someone else who appears on the show in other scenes, uh, Henry Winkler? Yeah. Well, it's so funny. I I don't. You know. I know that's that's the kind of. Um, I don't know. That's that's the position that we're kind of uh, that we find ourselves in. <clears throat> but I, I don't really consider it to be like up against anyone. I mean, how can you really, truly um, be in competition? I mean, Henry, you know, as as uh, Gene Kusnow is like so he, he's like a revelation. I mean, the guy is so, so good. And there's so many layers to it. And there's so many notes that he hits. And I think that everyone in the category is just like is is enormously talented and they and everyone brings something totally different to it so it's like on the one hand it's like oh wow what you know what a like this category stacked on the other hand it's like wow these people are all so good and at the end of the day 
really just to be included amongst all of them is is the coolest like that that's you know I, i've already won as far as i'm concerned like it's it's just phenomenal to be in that uh to be in that company are there any other shows you really enjoy watching right now yeah um yeah absolutely <clears throat> let's see well i love i mean i love succession i'm excited to kind of you know see everyone's success everyone from succession tell them what what a wonderful uh, job they're doing uh let me see what we do in the shadows. It's also great. So funny. And, and I'm excited to just kind of fan out on, on all of them. Um, I think Hank and uh, Nandor would get along very well. Don't you? Listen, these thoughts have crossed. This is what I think about late at night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm just like, I'll do whole crossover episodes in my head. of like, huh, what if, you know? Yeah. Like Nandor. Every once in a while, I'm like, huh, Cousin Greg, like Hank and Cousin Greg, like starting a business. Like, what, what does that look like? <laughs> but, but no, but ultimately it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, those two shows. I mean, <clears throat> there's no shortage of, of wonderful, wonderful TV on right now. And so do you have plans to star in other shows in the future? Or do you feel like you're going to be typecast as a Chechen mobster going forward? Well, you know, uh, amidst the, uh, the, the you know plethora of of Chechen mob roles that are you know that are out there at all times. I'm sure you know. I'm sure I could corner that market, but uh, I don't know. I I've always just really enjoyed stretching myself in different directions. You know, when when this role came along, I I had no intention of kind of showing off what what this kind of role was. And it really surprised me. And I think, you know, has surprised other people. So I'd like to just kind of keep people on their toes, uh, keep them guessing. And, um, and yeah, just do, do things that are pretty radically different, you know? Yeah, sounds great. This has been a real pleasure. I'm excited to see more of Hank in the future. And I'm glad to be able to think now about those crossover ideas you've planted. Listen, just hit me up. Cause like, uh, you know, this, I could think about this stuff all, all day and, and all night long. You know, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, so much fun. Anyway, it's great talking to you too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, well, to get things started off by just letting you know, I really do enjoy the series, uh, quite oh, a bit. Julius, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, uh, it's nice. It's a nice change of pace. You know, I, there's so many things about it, which I'll get into, but there's so many uh, aspects of it that I just find refreshing. It's like a, a nice positive uh, perspective on, on the world. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and we like the, and I particularly enjoyed that it has some real spontaneity to it. And I think authenticity, you know, it's not really cooked up and kind of, contrive you know um, i like that it's you know kind of happens the way it does mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely one of the uh, one of the, the draws to the series i just want to start going back a little bit before the series so i was curious where it all started for you how did you as a kid growing up in pittsburgh or, or born in pittsburgh at least to to now how did uh, entertainment happen was it a family thing or was it just something inside of you I'll tell you the whole thing without boring you or taking too much of our time. Let's see. Um, I, I was born and grew up in Pittsburgh. I left there when I was 17, uh, right after high school. Um, here's what happened. My dad was a doctor. My mom raised us four kids. 
uh, uh, you know, exposed us to the arts, uh, took us to see ballet, and we went to museums and uh, arts. My sister became a painter. She's a wonderful painter. Um, uh, they gave us all music lessons, uh, piano with me, took. You know, I loved it, loved jazz especially, but it's still a big part of my life and has changed and transformed my life. And then a a acting, I'll tell you, my dad toyed with the idea when they were kids, uh, as the story goes, of being either a doctor, he said, or an actor. He was going to be an actor. He wanted to be an actor. I don't know why. But he said he put his stuck his nose in the back of a class at Carnegie Tech, it was called then, before Carnegie Mellon, and he thought... This is out of my league, whatever that meant. He was brought up in a kind of poor, poor way. His dad was from Russia and da 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 da. So, so maybe it was some kind of transferred and uh, generationally inherited kind of wish, but it felt all mine. And it felt by the time I was 10, when I went to this camp uh, and they had this drama program and they cast me in this show, uh, it felt something. So, like something of my own. And my dad had already said, if you find something you love doing, it's a key maybe to your vocational choice. Whatever I heard as that meaning. But I'll tell you, I remember the night that I performed in this fi final recital. Uh, I, I was so thrilled by it that it, I put those two things together and I kept secret for myself. Hey, this might be, I think I'm going to be an actor. Something like that. But I kept it secret. And by the time... I went to Carnegie Mellon University in between 9th and 10th and 10th and 11th grades, these six-week summer sessions. I fell deeply in love with it, was, was obsessed with it, and used to, but it was still a secret, used to write on my shower steamy door every morning when I prepared to go to school, please, God, let me be an actor. And then before I left, I would wipe it off so nobody would see it. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, then I graduated high school and said, I want to go to, uh, I wound up at the neighborhood playhouse with Sandy Meisner. And there, there I went. I went to New York and, and started my adventure. That's how it happened. That's great. And you can see the creativity that, you know, obviously your, your parents planted and, and exposed you to, you know, continues throughout. And, and it shows up in this series. Um, it's not just, you know, a science class or a, like a how-to or anything like that. It really... Uh, part, parts of your personality really shine through, which makes it you know, much more enjoyable than uh, than I think I ever could have expected. Uh, where did the idea idea for the series come from? Here's what happened, uh, Stephen. I'll tell you. I was uh, Nat Geo, the good, uh, generous, gracious, and smart people at Nat Geo had, were operating on their own network then, and did this show, Explorer if you remember that. And they were fooling around this one season with the host format, and they had a few different people do a few episodes and tinker around with it. I was, was asked to do that, and I did three episodes, after which I said, gee, that was fun. You guys are so smart, and I like all this material. I, I like, you know, I like delving into this. I'd be watching if I, even if I wasn't doing it. And they said, well, I like, we like this. We like you and we like the spin that you kind of put on it. You made it your own kind of in, in a different way. And what if after a time they, they called up and said, what if you had a show of your own uh, like this or like we devised and it would be, you know, original. And I said, hey, let's talk about it. And we started to uh, cook this thing up. And I said, well, you know, I could be in a studio and do these wraparound things and post it so-called and read some teleprompters. But I think I'd be better used uh, in a way that might be 
uniquely me and I'll bet I could enjoy it and still and mine something that I think I'd be excited about doing if you turned me loose and I improvised these encounters with people and you know fans of these subjects and and experts and scientists and uh, and then uh, let me not pretend to be anything but what I am and not teach anybody anything but really kind of be a student of these things that I might be curious about let's see where that takes us and that was the that were that those were some of the seeds of this, uh, and it, it, it just was. Uh, I, I I was right. It, it I was so excited to do it, and it was uniquely fun and delicious and nutritious for me. Yeah, what I love about it is the word you brought up, authentic. There's you have an authentic curiosity. You know, it doesn't. You're not just doing this because it was your task for the day. You can see how much you enjoy it, and there's like that that another word, wonder, enthusiasm. There's just like this quality that um, makes it uh, identifiable, not just to adults, but also to kids. I think my, my daughters watch it with me. Actually, my daughter watched it before I did. She said, you know this guy, right? And I, so I sat down, I go, oh yeah, I've been wanting to watch this. And, um, and we've been watching it since. I think the first episode I watched with her was the denim episode. Um, but I think that, that your curiosity is, is contagious. Um, did you have any goals for this series? Like, you know, is it like, did you have that plan or is that just how it happened? Well, um, and it kind of happened like that. We, 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 we talked more about it and, you know, kind of a adjusted course as we went on. And they're very smart and work very hard. They've got a good research team and, you know, how to how to do this kind of thing. They're documentarians of the highest order. And um, and as we went on, especially this season uh, and Kurt Anderson who wrote Fantasyland or How America Went Haywire, and somebody whose uh, intellect and, uh, and writings uh, and conversation I enjoyed terrifically. I started to talk to him and said, hey, maybe you can help us. And then we came up with the list of 10 uh, subjects that we were going to address. And, and aside from even doing what we did the first season, which is find the extraordinary and some of these uh, familiar things and, and secrets and histories, uh, and and insights uh, that could be yielded and epiphanies. Um, uh, you know, I also wanted to tell my personal story and uh, enjoy sort of sharing um, home movies about my family growing up and my history and associations with any of these subjects. We pick things in accordance with that. But then with Kurt Anderson this season, we said, hey, let's even try to see if these things are can be portals into something a little more intellectually substantial in some cases and see if, you know, puzzles can, you know, have something to do with uh, global cooperation, uh, you know, international cooperation to solve climate change and, uh, and nuclear uh, management and, uh, and larger things about the, the story of the species here and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, how fireworks can allow us to look up and, and uh, encounter astronomy and the history of the universe, the shape of the universe and the possible multiverses that we're, in which we reside, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we tried to do a little of that, uh, uh, which interested me terrifically and authentically. One of the word that keeps coming up that I thought of and then it, it kept getting echoed is empathy. And why is that an important part of this series? 
Well, hey, that's a good that's a good point and question. Well, because it's an important part of being human and how we're going to move the ball forward on many fronts. Uh, all of us together, of course, we have to start putting ourselves in each other's shoes. So a lot of these were portals into not only bigger ideas, amazing secrets, my free associations and histories, and personal feelings and home life and and upbringing, but um, how we are connected to each other. Oh my gosh, yes, dance and all the people with whom we dance and may sometimes feel not as connected with, but really it's a small planet and and putting ourselves in their dance shoes in that case um, and walking a mile or a doing a chasse or a tour jeté or two is going to connect us not only to them, but to ourselves and to some larger fruitful way of navigating through this precious life of ours, you know. Do you have a favorite episode up to this point? Well, geez, I'm looking at this second one. Well, I don't know that I do. I like all the ones that, you know, I gave them my home movies and my, and I said, surprise me with, you know, however you use them, their editing is so good. Not only the parts that they use of my gibbering and jabbering throughout the day and making me look good and separating the wheat from the chaff, but then using these photographs I've given them of my, of, of my home albums and the kids, all any stuff we've taken to the kids and they surprised them even during the episode birthdays, when I said, hey, don't show me what you've got before. Real, let's, let's, we never did take two. We never tried to recreate something. I said, let's shoot everything as I actually encounter it, including me watching on a, on a projector uh, was the idea. I said, don't show it to me before. Just, fo- just film me as I watch what you've put together of my kids' birthdays and my birthday, whatever you have. I don't, I don't know what you have. And that's what they did. So I do like, I'm choked up by by a lot of that stuff sometimes, uh, and then excited. But I, I, I think my favorite ones are the ones that particularly move me, you know, where I go, yeah, you know, where we're all related in some way. I'm very moved by that. I think that's part of what turned me on about acting early on, that it was not painting, which I also did, and so, but it was something that happened in groups of people, amongst people, and that you had to do and uh, with some intimacy with other people, I, I'm crazy about that. So I like all those, you know, wherever that occurs. Of course, dance, you know, I got to dance with my own wife, uh, you know, who's just amazing. And I'm always in wonder of. She was, you know, the Pan-American champion for rhythmic gymnastics and went, went to the Olympics and does these Cirque du Soleil things. I'm just always, you can't believe what she does in our own home from room to room as she twirls around in them you know i i just feel uh, i'm always a big fan of her so dancing with her in this thing and the foot and the footage they got of us the way they shot it is always so artful and kind of cute i'll cherish that and fireworks for instance you know it's my oldest son's our oldest son's birthday on the fourth of july we always celebrate with watching fireworks any any place but they showed us as you saw it saw that episode fireworks a spectacular display close up in a way that I'd never seen. I don't know that we'll ever see again, but we have footage of all of us watching it. And uh, that was something I'll, I'll always look back, look on again, better than any home movie I've ever taken. Anyway, those are just a few of my favorite things off the top of my head. 
That's great. I, the fireworks connected with me because I every every Fourth of July we go to a, a park. It's a kind of an old school uh, fireworks display, and bands are playing and food trucks. But we just sit out, and as the fireworks go off, I spent half the time watching my daughter's faces, and I saw your your children's face and the awe. I just love it, and it and in your face and your wife's as well. But you see it through them, and like that that experience. I'm like, you can't recap. That's that's the magic. The fireworks are great, but it's it's what they spark. That's uh, beautiful, and I love seeing that on, on your whole family's face. Ah, uh, you're so sweet. Yeah, I did too. That's what I'm talking about. And you know, yeah, I'm easily moved by them. You know, I was just watching. Uh, they're learning how to play the piano themselves, and I and we both, Emily and I, kind of facilitate their rehearsals every day. Make sure they practice and kind of pra- practice in a way that's fun and we all enjoy, but that really kind of accomplishes something. And I was just she sent me because I'm here in Italy shooting this thing. She sent me, and I'm missing them. She sent me some footage of River playing, and it just, you know, was uh, adorable and uh, amazing. Yeah, it's one wonderful and wondrous. It's wonderful. It is. Um, sir, what's the most interesting thing you've learned while making this series? Um, well, many things. I mean, well, look, I'm looking at monsters. And always it's interesting to keep investigating uh, my own um, uh, ability to include the shadow side uh, and and consider how even myself, when I go, like we're all capable of doing, hey, so-and-so is a monster and this is monstrous and it's kind of a fun thing to chew on sometimes, but like the, your grandma said, you know, when you point your finger three or point back at you and to say, you know what, in what ways am I stupid and dense and um, am doing things that in a 50 or a hundred years will be considered immoral or asleep or unenlightened. And in what ways do I contribute to all of us being monstrously, insensitive to our opportunity into the planet and, you know, thing, things like that. So I, you know, I don't know if it's one fact that I learned, but things like that, that are continued enhancements and re um, uh, firing of the furnace that keeps me uh, inflamed about, you know, investigating and looking at things in myself and all of and and big problems of, uh, a consciousness and who we are and what the universe is up to and how, how long, what the real history and the Big Bang and what was here before the Big Bang and are there multiverses and all of that. And I'm, you know, from the series, I think I am now more engaged in and completely uh, 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 fascinated by all sorts of podcastings that now are available with uh, people who talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a beautiful thing to have, you know, find most interesting because that's mm-hmm. it's, it's so true. You know, you really nail it. You, and you bring it up in the episode sometimes about like this epiphany. You have these moments and, you, you know, you've had many of experiences, but still through you, we get to experience this. And that's what I think is amazing. It's like, a, I don't know, a domino or snowballs into much bigger and it expands. So the more people that's why I love watching this series with my daughters is like I learned something, but they see it a little bit, the world a little differently. They get to get to go across the world they get to go into this dance crew that we wouldn't have access to and and i also seeing that that you're you're connecting with them in a way with uh uh can't remember the uh, whatever the collab crew maybe was that their name uh um, yeah, collab TikTok. Crib. yeah 
Yeah, yeah they were great, weren't yeah. they? I'd never heard of it. I didn't know that kind of thing. I hadn't had much personal connection with that. But yeah, oh, we had a great time together. And my life is enhanced and changed forever from having encountered them. I, I you know, it was a rare opportunity. Yeah, no, the whole series gave me chances to do things that I wouldn't have otherwise uh, found myself doing. You know, I'd never been to the Sequoia National Forest and got to climb a tree, one of those giant trees with those big guys, with those uh, you know, tree experts, you know. Amazing, amazing. So how has becoming a parent changed you as a person and as an artist? Uh, that's a great question. Um, uh, you know, if we had uh, several days to have a retreat and uh, talk about and investigate it, but uh, uh, with some uh, pithiness, let me say that, well, you know, as you know, you know, they just crack your heart wide open. And I think I feel more, you know, my inner garden is a little more lush and a lot more lush and I'm transformed by it. And I, I'm easily, you know, you know, moved by them and life and the future of our, you know, I mean, it's time changes, not only the fleeting aspect of my own time here and with them, which I'm always now aware of, but my, you know, thinking of others before myself and how deeply I care about them and what I would do for them is different than ever. My own relationship with my wife, we've been together almost 12 years, but, um, and that's my longest relationship ever, but seeing how she's changed, being a mother, a wonderful mother, and our relationship has changed. Um, you know, we encounter things instead of just, you know, hey, where are we going to go to dinner this week? You know, was one of our, <laughs> you know, concerns. Now, as you know, every day, is filled with, from the time you get up, big things that will have an impact on them, as you know, and can be, that can be, tick, you know, um, um, ticklish uh, uh, things between us, you know, how we share those duties and if how we're on the same page. They're challenging and important things, and, and collaborating on that is transformational, um, and how we learn how to deal with each other with these jugular and primal things that come up are life enhancing and transformational and sometimes challenging but very nutritional uh and all of that as you ask can change obviously changes all my so-called creative endeavors you know as i'm acting and trying to depict human life as it happens and my own ability to be a you know so-called human being under imaginary circumstances you know uh has gone through a, a paradigm shift and a whole horizon enhancement were you surprised how much being a parent changed you were, like did you have any idea that, that the impact it would have no no and i am surprised i mean you know you hear tales and you people say things but it's just like before you taste oysters hearing anybody describe them doesn't in any way prepare you for the for tasting your first oyster um nope nope it's all kind of surprising uh it's still surprising and i like surprises uh you know i studied with sandy meisner and improvisation is part of this why one of the reasons i like and and are and maybe suited for and i've designed this show for myself so that i could you know uh exercise some of that but the kids and being a parent oh yeah all of that is uncharted and delightful territory. And I'm thrilled at this point to be 
to have a demand to put a demand on myself uh, that I be open, more open than ever, and uh, uh, ready to go on a ride and uh, change uh, if necessary. As I, as I was saying, my, my kids enjoy your work. Uh, they know you from Jurassic Park and from Thor and uh, Ragnarok. And my dad introduced me to you as a kid at probably too young of an age, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which still haunts me, um, and, the, and The Fly as well. Um, I'm uh, curious, uh, what is the draw? What's, why, how, uh, how is you know, the longevity of your career? People love Jeff Goldblum. When I, when I mentioned I'm going to be speaking with you, the reaction was out of this world. Um, you know, is, do, you think, do you know the secret? And can you share it? Oh, I have no secret. And of course, uh, not only are we all here for a short time and all this is fleeting, but any, you know, the, the continuum of my so-called career is uh, fleeting, fleeting and ever in movement. So if for now uh, people seem to be getting a kick out of this show or whatever I do, that's that's awful nice, you know. Um, uh, but uh, but like my teacher said, you know, you're interesting to the extent that you're interested that's sort of a principle, guiding principle of this show, for instance, and maybe my whole uh, odyssey, too. I, in fact, am, from the time I was a kid, am wildly uh, and wild-heartedly interested, fascinated with, uh, how, you know, my endeavors of one kind or another. And, uh, and maybe that's what people, I know I'm attracted to people who are involved in pat in their passions, and uh, and really in the uh, you know uh, willing to be seen and share their, their themselves in mid journey and in mid uh, you know growth growth you know um, and not disguise the fact that they don't know something and <laughs> are eager to learn and that we're all just uh, coming and going something like that maybe that accounts for for you know, you know, somebody's interest for a moment. Yeah, because no matter what you're on. So on this series, it works perfectly because your curiosity, as, as I said, is very evident right on the screen. But also when you show up on, on Conan O'Brien, um, pretty much anywhere, even if you're on a commercial, like, a, I wonder what's going to do this time? What's he, you know, what's he going to bring to me that I didn't expect? Because, you know, you're, you're not a spokesperson. You're uh, kind of like an energy. And I'm like, I just, I, I don't know. I, you sit up and you pay attention. It's uh, it's kind of magical. So, well, golly, thank you. That's a that's a. I'll take that compliment uh, to to my uh, you know to my inner bank. Thank you. That's very very sweet. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks. That's awful nice. Well, I'll keep trying to do my best, and I uh, <laughs> hope I don't let you down. <laughs> hey, you, you've done enough. Um, I want to go back really quickly about so, so like I said, invasion of the body snatchers, the fly. You have all these great. Uh, films, TV shows, uh, uh, every, you know, so many different uh, ways you've entertained. Are there any that you look back at most fondly? For any reason at all? Well, first of all, I, I didn't even address I apologize for scaring you too early. I mean, uh, yeah, you got to see these things, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, Phil Kaufman and Michael Chapman and all those people, um, and uh, The Fly. No, no, you got to be ready for them. But, um, I was proud of both of those things. Speaking of which, you know, those directors are spectacular. I don't think an actor can be, it's all collaborative, as you know, and people have said many times, but I don't think even an actor can be even 
good or make much of a, an impact unless the director is good. So you, you look for good directors. And I've been lucky. I've worked with a lot of good people, Wes Anderson and Robert Altman. And in those cases, Phil Kaufman and David Cronenberg. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I was proud of what we did together. And so, so I look back on, on, uh, on that. And, and I was thinking about what Robert Altman, his credo, which was, you know, the final uh, resulting movie that you're, we're trying to make is important. And we want to, that we want that to be good and do what it does when it lands on the an audience. But this experience that we're having is just as important. And that's why he called his production Sandcastle Pictures. He said, you know, we're just looking for a reason to be together, us human beings, and, you know, and we're all passionate about and are into this movie making stuff and telling stories. But really, it's just so that we can do this together. And, and this time you build the moat and you build the the uh, the tower and and then and then the, the water will come and wash it all away and and really what's left is our experience uh, and that's kind of the most important thing and I think Wes Anderson sort of follows follows that and you know going to these locations and and being involved in these casts that he attracts and his crews you know uh, I love all that so I've loved working with people and. Then uh, uh, this show had a great, I've loved documentaries my whole life. Uh, um, and this crew was just great, small, these directors, the producers of Utopia, Nagio, they were great. I just loved, loved working with them. It's fantastic. I could talk to you all day, but time is short. So you. just a couple, no, thank you. A, a couple quick questions. One, yeah. and I'm, I'm not expecting an answer, but I'm hoping for it. Did you get a tattoo? <laughs> no. I do. Oh, okay. I am a clean slate. I show you everything, but I'm too modest. But it's all, <laughs> That's all right. as I, I when I came out of Shirley a long time ago. It's as clean as a as a whistle. You? Do you have any it, tattoos? No, no tattoos. I would you? How would you like it if your girls got tattoos? What do you think? Um, I told them if you, if they really want to, they can. But I said think about it because you know someday you're going to have to look back and say. You know, did I really like this TV show or whatever it is that's imprinted on you? But also, well, there you go. And like I said on the show, I'm fickle and I always change my mind. And if I decide one thing, I'm sure the next week I'll go, why, why did I do that? Um, and they're great temporary tattoos these days. So they can try that. Yep. But having said that, I, I don't think I, I still re really am not rushing out to get a tattoo myself. But I, I'm, uh, I enjoy seeing them often on other people. I kind of do case by case basis but uh but i i can enjoy looking at them yeah i agree with that just i don't think for me okay let me wrap up really quickly three words to describe jeff goldman Ooh, that's a tough one let's see me uh, um oh <laughs> <laughs> well, well, three words. I don't know. You know, I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of that quote that Shirley MacLaine's character in being there says she's had a certain uh, experience and she says, and maybe there's some words in here that we can cull and make into a little haiku, a little kind of a troika of uh, of a word salad, a little tricolore uh, salad. Um, she says, um, I've revealed myself to myself so maybe reveal this, this has something to do with me uh, and now i feel she says 
uh, completely drenched and purged. So maybe reveal, drenched, purged. I know that's unconventional. I know you want something like uh, something else, but, but let's go with that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the perfect answer. Good. Thank you. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the series. Uh, I'm really enjoying it and uh, I'm looking forward to more and, uh, and have a great day. I've really enjoyed this, Steve. Thank you very, very much for doing it. Say hi to your daughters. Thank you. I will do so. Say hello to your family. I sure will. Say, thank you. Say Steve from the verse that hello. Uh, yeah, I will. I'll see. I'll listen for that uh, podcast and maybe I'll, I'll, we can do it together sometime. Sounds great. I, I'd love it. Have a great Thanks, day. Man. Appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for uh, uh, taking the time to talk to me. Uh, I absolutely, absolutely love the show, uh, especially the the last episode. It was it was so cool. Oh my god, it was really it was really great. And I, I I didn't I I, I honestly didn't expect uh, to see uh, the Scarlet Scarab in the in the MCU. So it was uh, it was really cool. I'm so people. There were all these theories going out, and I was just like, man, I really just wanted it to shock people. So that makes me happy that you had no idea. Well, I thought I thought for sure Kanchu was gonna you know, use Layla as the next avatar, and so I was really surprised when it was Tawarit, and I was yeah, like, oh, Layla, nice yes, <laughs> that was great. That would have been so interesting if suddenly like Moon Knight turns into Layla. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> All these cool options, but yeah, and friends would keep asking me, and people would say like Layla Miller, and I was like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Um, so how does it feel to be the first Egyptian superhero in the MCU? There are no words. Honestly, I, I'm so grateful to be in the Marvel universe. There is yeah. so much genius behind it. It's so creative. Everyone that has built these characters um, and then the comics even before that, What's really making me most happy are the responses that I'm receiving online yeah. from people and reading about how they feel seen and um, how I might look like them, or especially how we might have the same hair. Suddenly the hair thing is becoming everything. Yeah. Because I don't know if there have been many superheroes with curly hair. Um, so to have someone feel like they can accept themselves a little more because of a character I played, that feels like the superhero. That feels like the, the power. Yeah. And, and how did it feel to wear the, the Scarlet Scarab suit once you, uh, once you actually wore it? I didn't notice it until I went into the studio and then saw everyone's reaction to it because we were just like, quickly put it on. And, and then over time, it almost became like a ritual putting it on because it was like yeah. leggings, the boots, the the top kind of corset part, and then this little scarab in the back, and then the arm pieces. And um, it was really special. And nothing compares to when you see it with oh, yeah. the VFS. <laughs> you know, I definitely wasn't carrying those wings around. <laughs> so that intro scene was the establishing shot was it was really fun for even me to see like i i didn't know what to expect when we had shot that little scene 
I, I gotta say, when I when the wings came out, I went completely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I really, wow! It was a great, great, great scene. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, what were the most challenging aspects of shooting the climax with um, Oscar and Ethan uh, at the end of the battle? Um, um, a, a really challenging scene for me that maybe no one will ever even notice because it wasn't that long and Layla's yeah. not the important character in it um, was when, when Mark comes to and he's holding Harrow yeah. with Harrow's like cane on him and he yeah. realizes is having an, an idea of what's going on, you know, asking Stephen, and then turns around, and then you see Konshu and Amit in the background fighting, and then Layla's like, "Mark, is that you?" <laughs> that line, for some reason, that moment was so challenging for me because there's so much going on. Yeah. There is fire. There are people that are dead. We're aware of what we're alluding to and what's happened and how vicious it was, even though we never saw it. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, oh, and then up there, there is Khonshu and Amit, okay? So that's going on too, May. And I was just like, how am I going to sell this moment right now without, like, I'm not going to start crying. I'm, I'm not going to make this a what is happening kind of situation. And it was more a shock as yeah. an actor and for what I felt Layla or Scarlet Scarab would experience. Um, and for some reason, it was hard. And, and, and Mohammed would come back and be like, hey, maybe it's this. And then Oscar came to me and gave me a note. And then Ethan was like, you know, May, and this is all at different times. Yeah. Maybe it's like you're asking and this. And I was just like, wow, I'm clearly not getting this moment down. And there was something just sticky about it. And then finally, we got it. And, and I was like, great. And they're like, do you want to go again? And I was like, no, we're moving on. It's enough. Who would have known? Yeah, I mean, it was a it, it was probably the moment that shot me the most was when they cut back to uh, it was I think Mark was um, lying down and then he was with the Arthur's king and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> oh my god! And then yeah. at the end, we know that it's Jake Lockley, but you know, we don't and you know. You have to sell it. You have to sell yeah. that something crazy just happened. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well. I think I think that brings me back to the question. Um. Do you think the that the events that occurred in the series Moon Knight were real in any way oh because you're saying because he wakes up and he's back he wakes up and we don't know what's going on it, it blurs the line between fiction and reality and uh at, at, at times i was even questioning well is, is what is what i'm seeing even real is it really happening it's all a mystery yeah it? we have yeah. to keep the mystery because that's that's how we can expand on it <laughs> And in the in the entire series, um, I, I I believe that Layla has a very complex relationship with uh, Stephen and Mark. Um, I'm wondering what was what were some of the most challenging aspects of building a, an effective relationship between Layla and the multiple personalities of Oscar Isaac, Stephen Grant, and Mark Spector. Oscar was so good at embodying yeah. both characters, and that really helped me because I didn't have to. I didn't have to be like, wait, are you? Well, number one, I knew what scene I was playing. So I knew if it was Steven or Mark, but I could just feel it off him. Yeah. And my energy would change depending on, on who was, who I was playing against. And naturally Mark is so, Mark has such a hard exterior for his own reasons, but they're mm -hmm. there. Um, and you just, I would just work off of that. And then, um, 
There were a few challenging moments with Stephen, um, which turned out sweet, like the being honesty moment yeah. then at the end of episode three. And I had to really speak to Oscar about those moments. I'd be like, I'm, I'm feeling a little stuck and we'd work through it. And, um, and he said it so well. He was like, when you love someone so much, there's always some pain under that, right? And yeah. in this situation, there's a lot of pain because of the whole, because of Mark and what's yeah. going on there. And then there's Steven now. And it's too, it's almost like, this is so complex. If this was just a reality TV show or a show just about them, mm. we'd be able to dive in. But there's no time to dive into the feelings now because yeah. we have to save the world. And it's 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 that was what was challenging, was how do we be truthful to this situation and also know that we have to figure out a constellation in the sky? Yeah. And that's important. Yeah. And um, in the entire series, uh, which scene was your favorite to shoot and why? There are two. There are two. Okay. One was the asylum. Because yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I was given like nothing on the page. And I, I love to use Helena Bonham Carter's inspiration because I feel like she milks everything she's given, yeah. especially in Harry Potter. Every time Bellatrix oh is speaking, yeah. they're yeah. so excited. And I was like, what would Helena do right now? And I mean, I didn't like live by that, but I, I you know, in, in that moment, I was just like, I just feel like she's so free and how can I bring out that freedom when Layla is generally um, held together in, in many ways and she's got these protective um, blocks or, or whatnot. And so I walked around the room and I, I noticed some marshmallows and I grabbed one and then I was enjoying it myself. And then I thought, I'm just going to keep it with me in the scene. And I just had so much fun with that. And I, 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 I like played with the lines and, and yeah, it was, it was cool. And when I went close, Oscar wasn't even there. That was just a camera. So I was just messing around with different things. And, and luckily it, it, came out well and then the next one was in the final episode when Towerette possesses yeah Dave because i didn't know that i was gonna have to do that that was 30 minutes before i we shot that scene muhammad came to me and had that realization that it has to go that way and uh i had to work with antonia salib who plays Towerette in front of a mirror and i, I just kept telling her keep keep saying your lines keep keep going through the body language and I'm just going to copy you and copy you and copy you. Cause I hadn't had her lines memorized either. Um, so we did that for what, 10 minutes and then ran to sets and, and it was really freeing because I just got to throw myself in and I couldn't, I couldn't really be too in my head, which at the end was a thrill. Yeah, both scenes were great, by the way. I mean, uh, really, um, really creative as well. And I, I, I really loved um, the, the asylum scene in particular, because then I, after that, I was like, well, OK, well, maybe the entire the entirety of the show, what we saw episodes one, two, three, were all a fabric of Mark's imagination. So I was like, well, OK, well, what's going on? Um, so uh, where do you think we'll see Layla next in the MCU? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> For anyone listening, <laughs> throw me anywhere. I would be really excited. There's so many women that I would love to act with. I love Doctor Strange. Yeah. 
I'd be, I had an interview with Oscar and then he said Blade and then suddenly I was like, wait, I would like Blade too. <laughs> We've acted together before. That would be fun. Um, so yeah, everyone is just so great in it. Well, uh, that was incredible. Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me. Uh, the show was amazing. Uh, you could tell I, I just, I just love I'm like it. high off of your energy now. I'm loving it. Thank <laughs> it's you. so good. I, I literally, after episode six, I watched it like, I don't know, it was like 7 a.m. After that, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. that early? Yeah, well, I was interviewing the cinematographer on that day, so I had to watch it early to prepare my questions. And I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Like, wow. You liked it. I'm yeah, like this is honestly top, top, top five MCU, like easily. Amazing. So, Gosh, thanks. Thank, uh, you. thank thank you. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs>
you know, Michael the Morris, the director, really wanted me to do it. I couldn't really understand why he wanted me to do it. Um, because I thought maybe other people had turned it down. Because when I read the script, I'm like, you know, I'm not the guy for this. But, you know, I've been turning down a lot of parts where it's just we need a cranky Jewish, you know, funny guy, cynical guy, but, you know, big heart kind of thing. And, you know, Michael convinced me that because of what his experience watching Marin, that I, I, I bring a sort of, you know, I bring myself to these parts and I can be very, you know, present and, and, and make it see, you know, seem and be real. And I also realize that, you know, if I want to continue acting, I've got to take chances. And, you know, if I'm turning down parts that typecast me, you know, let's, let's just do it. Let's try this, yeah. you know, let, let's try it, you know, working alongside of, you know, the greatest actor of her generation. So, but I, I did it, you know, and I, and I feel okay about it. I feel like I did pretty good work. Oh yeah. No, it's great. I, it is funny that I do imagine you get a lot of the same roles offered because even just in the ones you say yes to, like you've been a music manager more than once, you know, you, you've been the guy to be like, all right, yeah. here's how we're going to yeah, make yeah. more famous. Like they right. yeah. see a very specific type of role and which I think is, is, is kind of short selling you because I always feel like I see this like authenticity in you. Like, I don't feel like you ever fake it. I don't like, I don't know if that's like, Oh, I don't think you can fake it, but just, I always feel like you believe the part and especially here, like, you know, you have your monologue about, you know, troubles that are relatable yeah. to you. And that's, yeah. you know, that yeah. there's an, there's an extra bit there because I feel like there's, you know, you're tapping into something there. Yeah. I mean, I can, I, I definitely have, I can connect to more emotions than just, you know, like uh, crankiness and stuff, yeah. you know, like even Sam Sylvia was, you know, not quite me because I don't think he was that self-reflective or 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 neurotic but this guy was really a humble dude you know sweeney is like you know a kind of a beaten man you know who's trying to rebuild and you know has seen his share of of of, of real you know family distress and and loss so yeah i can definitely walk into that but i like the idea that he wasn't an angry guy he wasn't a neurotic guy and you know and he was kind of splayed open by his own experience and and and, and and I was living some of that at that time. And, and, you know, and he wanted to give this person a chance, you know, cause he had a very small amount of power, but he had enough to, to, to try to help this person who he had, you know, uh, unexplainable deep feelings for really at the beginning. Yeah. And it, and it shows there's that bit of, okay, you found something in you and I'm seeing it. And that's a, you don't always see that, but when you see it, you really recognize it. I, I remember a couple of years ago, the, the Ben Affleck movie where he's the basketball coach and he's the alcoholic. Yeah. He, you know, he does that thing where he taps the beer can before he opens it every time. And you're like, that's really specific. And then you hear him go, yeah, I did that. <laughs> that was the thing that locked me into the character. And you go, oh shit. I like that so much more now when I know that. And I feel like I, I see just found it. Go ahead. Sorry, I, just, go I ahead, feel like it. I see that a lot in your roles of just like, not a, not a specific thing, but a like, okay, you see something that relates to you and it's, it's right. just fueling the performance. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like the, the emotional spectrum that this guy had is definitely something, you know, I'm, I've experienced. I've experienced codependency. I've experienced addiction. I've experienced, you know, heartbreak. I've experienced loss. You know, I, I've been down on my luck. Yeah. And, and you, you know, but to, to, to move through the eye of the, those needles and, 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 and have some humility and grace. You know, I didn't always have that, yeah. but this is, that's where this guy was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I was able to attach my emotions to the story of this guy. 
And yeah, and I, I realized what you're talking about too. Like I heard, I was watching that Paul Newman doc, you know, that, and I just watched the verdict before watching the Paul Newman doc. And, and it was, did you watch that doc? Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's kind of amazing. Cause you know, it's, it's, it's not like some, you know, uh, 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 you know, it, it's not pulling any punches. <laughs> no, guy, yeah. It almost feels like you it, should it's, be watching it. You're like, this is it does. Go, yeah, I don't want to know this about it. Yeah. But the fact that the verdict was only amazing because Lumet pushed him and yeah. then he brought all this, these weird, the banaka and the eye drops and the fucking face in the ice yeah. water were all that stuff he did. Yeah. Like, you know, but to speak to that, you know, in like smoking, when Sam Sylvia smoked, you know, I was watching someone had posted some meme of me smoking. I'm like, yeah, because I smoked most of my life. Yeah. Uh, and then with Sweeney, it's it's really about that kind of heart, you know, that that letting go, you know, the heart, the exhaustion of heartbreak. Yeah, there's and breaths a lot, I noticed. There's just like a lot of like, okay, like that, like, I'm about to get pissed. Eh, it's not worth it. Like there's, there's right. like, almost like a Zen this demo, just like, I, I've been pissed before. I don't need to be pissed. It took me a long time to learn that shit as a person. Still working me. <laughs> Still working. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, that, but that's what I think is is so much fun to see you in things. Also, I think, you know, you spend so much time now talking to people and they, for one reason or another, are more revealing than most when they talk to you. You get all these things from people that I'm sure sit with you in one way or another. So if it if it clocks back to, oh, that sounds like when I talked to this person and they were oddly like bummed about this thing. Oh, I remember like it all, you know, it's all the like being a human being element of it all. Well, that, well, that, that is it really. Like, I don't know how much I always clock, you know, my memory's not amazing because like with a lot of the conversations I have that, you know, my, my producer clocks everything because yeah. he's got to edit those things. But the, you know, they're like, once I have them, they're done. Yeah. Right. So like, I just have to use my memory, but he's listened to it over and over again. So if I need to remember something, I usually will call Brendan. I'm like, do you remember this for me? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like Obama, you probably remember that one. I remember parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I remember the moments of it. And I remember moments of like Paul McCartney. I remember moments. Yeah. But 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 I think the human thing is the, the most important thing is like, you know, you sit across from all these guys, you know, movie stars, presidents or whatever. And because of the nature of how I engage, you know, I definitely get a sense of their humanness. Yeah. And and that's ultimately what you're trying to get, you know? Oh, yeah. I still, I try to do that here. Like, I, I know you've heard the same 12 questions. Like, I'd rather know, rather chat, rather bullshit and like get something that yeah more beneficial to even just us, even if no one else gives a shit. Like, you know. Yeah, well, we, we've learned that, uh, you know, that you have anger problems and that yeah. you're stifling, stifling some, you know, sort of, uh, you know, high risk, uh, you know, uh, mortality problem or no, it's, it's, listen, it's depression. It's not anger. Oh, no. uh, recently single, uh, whole other thing. No, oh, yeah. There's a, the thing that as we sort of wrap up, like you got to play yourself, which is also kind of a, a, a unique thing to be like, I want to write a character. It's not me, but essentially is me. So like, I, I'm always curious when, if you could choose to get a role, like if somebody was like, I want to write you a role, what do you want to play? You kind of already did that for yourself. But what if someone else came to you and was like, we want to cast you, but what do you, what haven't you done yet? Is there a thing? Well, yeah, I mean, I haven't done a lot of things. I don't have, I don't have an extensive, you know, resume with acting, you, you know, and playing myself was sort of a heightened thing. Yeah. It was a little weird in terms of like, you know, I don't know if that guy was essentially me. I think doing Sweeney was, you know, something more 
uh, interesting to me, you know, to to kind of like, you know, land in the condition uh, of emotions that I exist with on a day to day basis and whatever, you know, uh, vulnerabilities and, and uh, possible empathy that I can engage is interesting to me, you, you know, because I don't have I don't know that I have the fortitude to 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 do that in my real life all the time in in relationship. Yeah. So sadly, it would be to explore the things that I I should be willing to do hmm. in my real relationships, <laughs> you know, in fictional ones. Hey, listen, how many people can be like, pay me to go to therapy on screen? Like that's yeah, that's I guess. Real... But is it is it really therapy or is it really sort of like because like someone asked me about this character and you know, in terms of you know what 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 did I take away from the movie is that you know I was in a tremendous amount of grief you know, when we shot this movie yeah. and, you know, and, and, and having to show up emotionally for, as a character for, for Leslie, for Andrea's character sort of introduced me to like a, a weird well of a type of empathy. I didn't really know I had it. I'm not sure that I had it uh, before experiencing, you know, uh, Lynn's passing, yeah. you know, there's something about, you know, grief that, you, you know, if, if it doesn't crush you, we'll, we'll certainly, open your heart to things that you you may not have uh, knew you were capable of so so that you know that's ex- interesting exploring that sure and in the work honestly it, it speaks for itself it's it's incredibly empathetic and and compelling and, and you should be you should be very proud i don't know if the cats are saying that they're proud of you but i will you know everyone needs to hear it <laughs> thanks buddy uh, i'm proud of you too you'll be all right ah uh, thank you i hope so uh congratulations on this i can't wait for more because it's always a pleasure thanks, to see on screen Awesome, sir. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm melting, but I'm great otherwise. You're in New York? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm in I'm in L- I was in New York yesterday. And you. I'm in L.A. today, which is like a bi- it's a billion degrees here, but it's nice and dry. This is such a cliche. Yeah, I'm in the um, uh, I'm in this uh, sauna heat and you're in the steam bath heat. Basically. That's true. It's just yeah. listen of the two of us. Let me be the wet one. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I. This is, a, this is a pleasure. I always, you know, one, you're amazingly funny. So it's just fun to do here, whatever you're doing, even when oh, it's thanks, painful. man. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I listen, I, I think a very small amount of people could have done the, the stand up special you did that. Uh, oh, my God. Rest. And still thank you. Funny. I mean, it's <sighs> it's a testament to to being who you are, that you end on the filthiest fucking joke ever, but make it a heartbreak. <laughs> like, thank which, you. I feel like is the best way to sum something up, you know? Oh man, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. Um, wow. And even just beyond that, you know, you, I always feel like when you pick a project, there's a, there's a reason and maybe it's money and that's a great reason. <laughs> the characters, especially this, especially big fan, young adult, like the things that yeah. sort of feel like acting with a capital A are mm-hmm. these people who, you feel for it, but you also kind of want to just shake them and go, no, don't do that. And that's people. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. There's moments in this when I mean, even though I shot it, even though I'd read the script, well, I remember watching it at South by Southwest with an audience and just moments of you just going, don't, Oh dude, dude, yeah. God. Amy, like I know what's coming and I'm still, you want to just, you want to slug the guy sometimes. <laughs> like, are you out of your fucking mind? What are you doing? 
Uh, but I think that that is a really good way to connect to an audience, uh, even though it's a bit, it's a bit harsh and extreme, but it does connect you. Oh yeah. How else do you sell like <clears throat> the flawed nature of humanity as opposed to here's a little bad decision that becomes a Yes. Decision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although e- everyone, even in someone's individual life, even their tiny um, flaws, disasters, or victories to them feel like an epic 70 millimeter film. Um, so you have to emotionally play it that way. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I grew up in New York. So every time I walked the streets of Manhattan, I assumed I was in a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> that's what you do. You talk and you say smart things. Yeah. Well, 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 better to be in a Woody Allen movie than a Scorsese movie. If you're the protagonist. That's true. There are reasons yes. why you may not want to be in a Woody Allen movie. Well, let's. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. every, every, Please every, don't make, don't make that your headline. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> my, my late grandfather liked this movie too much. I've, I've decided to be like, I don't pay to see them. It's. Yeah, exactly. I do. Movie, movie's good. Great. If it's not, nobody's going to be upset. Yeah. Uh, also, let alone him, it seems like. Sounds mm. like that's the thing. I think. No matter who you are, if you get to the point in your career, and I think you're also there, like, I can do what I want. Like, if I don't take a job this month, I can pay my rent. I can. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have a bit of an unfair advantage that I can always go do stand up, which I love That's doing. True. And I can go out for the weekend, you know, and, and make rent money. Um, or record uh, a video game voice or do record a video game voice or, yeah, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky in that I do get to kind of, for the time being, I get to pick what, what I really, really want to do movie and TV wise. And I'm going to try to enjoy that for as long as it lasts. Oh, yeah. If we, if we see you on the corner, we know something went very wrong. Something went horribly wrong. Or you're filming a really interesting new movie. Yeah. Or if you see me, if you see me on dancing in the stars, something has gone wrong. Yeah, no, we don't, we don't want it. <laughs> uh, so when you, when you read this kind of script, I'm sure you're, you're like, Oh wow. I can't believe this is going to get made, but I want to be a part of it. How do you know it's for you? Like, is there a specific moment where it goes from this is a weird, fucked up little movie I like to, yeah, I want to commit to a year of this being what I'm thinking about? I guess I'm really lucky in that I always have the, I have the version of me in my head that's sitting at the New Beverly watching a new movie. And um, what kind of movie would I want to watch as a film buff? I watch a lot of movies. So film buff Patton is usually in my head when I'm reading a new script. And then I'm thinking in terms of, Hey, is this something I'd want to see? And, and especially this movie was such a no brainer because not only was it something I wanted to see, it was something like, I want to see how they pulled this off. How are they going to do this? That is always exciting uh, for a creative is I just want to see how they pull this off. So that definitely sustained my energy through the shoot. You, You seem to be the master of the movie that if I describe the plot to someone who doesn't watch a lot of movies, (laughs) they like I committed a very small crime. Yes, exactly. I I mean, I I have no problem making movies for people who see a lot of movies. Those are the kind of movies I like. Yeah, so that's always a great, to me, that's always a great measuring stick. Oh yeah, I would, I, you know, like I, you know, I'm, I'm recently single, so I'm back on the dating apps. And when they find out what I do, oh, there's there you go. a lot of like, oh, what's your favorite movie? Is that a weird question? Like, there's a lot of like, how do we talk about movies? Too? I'm like, just, yeah. I see a lot of movies. Most of them are just, perfectly acceptable. And I don't think about it again. So well, I, New York, it's weird. New York is the best place to go see revival cinema or massive yeah. series where you see everything by one person. And LA is the best place to see everything new as it's coming out in the absolute best environment to see it in gorgeous theaters with stadium seating, 
beautiful sound, great food. So it, th- it's those two tensions back and forth. Oh, yeah. no, there's I, a there's an element to New York film going of you should suffer a little bit. Like oh, yeah. you should you should listen to the subway rumbling by you as you're, you're watching Pierre, you know, Peo Pasolini, my friend. You know, yeah. you got to commit. So, you know, there's there's like the, the MoMA crowd where you're like, oh, here comes the guy with his brown bag lunch. He's going to go watch everything by Bud Boddicker. Here we go. <laughs> I, I'd be lying if I said I'm not OK that with have not having to go to the Angelica all the time anymore. I can choose to or I can be the one moderating the Q&A and I can make a joke about like, yeah, no, I bet that train was intentional, which is. Yeah, funny. exactly. The first time someone goes. Almost all the time, it's a movie that they don't realize doesn't have a train. Like, I took someone to see Crazy. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's like, you know, of course there'd be a train in the back. I'm like, no, 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 that's that's like the F train, man. Like, that's- No, just- no, that, that actually was just, a train just went by us. Yeah, that's that's just full of- <laughs> um, But I mean, like, I would, I'm so glad that, you know, whether it's a big or a small part, sorry to bother you, this, big fan. Like, they're movies yeah, yeah. that, you know, they only exist because somebody- is crazy enough to make them as opposed to willed it into existence. Yeah. That, that kind of, this is a very difficult vision and we've got to find first, someone's got to love it for itself. Then that person, he or she has got to go find the other people that love it. And that um, in itself is, is a, is an act of of filmmaking um, that is, that approaches art in my opinion. And luckily, you're often the person they're like, oh, he's crazy enough to do this. <laughs> or he's enough of a film buff that he has. I mean, I I always remember it's that it's the George Harrison and Life of Brian where he put the yeah. money up because he's like, I just want to see this fucking thing. Exactly. I don't know if it's I just got to see this thing. So I love that. Wait, there's there's a there's a beauty to it being it's not just about the money. Like, I'm sure no. money is great. And there's something about like, oh, yeah, you're paying me to do this. Like. I'm not, I wouldn't do it for free, but I would do it for yeah. free. Wait, this check. Oh, there's zeros here. Great. Like I can do more of these. Yeah. There's a, I'm in this, I'm in this business for the money and the anecdotes. Those are my two motivations. I mean, they're two of the main currencies in life. Yeah. Money and money and uh, anecdotes are the money. best, best things to best ways to guide your life. Yeah, money gets you to the table and the anecdote keeps you there. It's <laughs> a good I, way to put it. I mean, I've only got the ladder, so it's conning people. You're right. like, then I can stay. Yeah. Uh, I've always, my, you know, everyone, all my friends work in, in like business and they all have like elevator pitches for why they're hireable. And, oh, wow. And I have an elevator pitch that I've never used because I never need, but I, I was in the police academy for three days. So, yeah. I, well, I, why? I, wait, wait a minute. Wait, how old were you? Uh, I was 25. It was 10 years ago. What made you sign up for the fucking police academy? I thought I was going to help people. And oh right on the side, Lord. turns out I don't like people yelling at me. Um, right. Yeah, not good. But it led to the amazing, like, I could probably sell myself as I'm probably the only person you could talk to today who's worn a bulletproof vest and interviewed Kermit the Frog. Though, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's like Desert Storm Muppets that I don't know about. What's that great line from The Simpsons when Homer is trying to get... Um, Lisa to do gymnastics and she hates it. She goes, who wants to wear tights and get yelled at all days? And then Homer goes, uh, hookers and Spider-Man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the answer is always Simpsons did it first. Yeah, exactly. That's the classic. Yeah. I was just showing my dad the, the, have you ever seen a man throw a shoe before? Yes. Once <laughs> How, like, there's college papers on what that joke means. And he's just, Oh God. Oh. So good. I just interviewed Matt Selman and I, and I was like, you, you know. Oh my God, Matt, Matt was, 
literally a writer's assistant on the first thing I ever did that I wrote for Comedy Central, this series called Small Doses. He was a writer's assistant. And even then he was so sharp. He was like, oh yeah, that guy's going to end up like running a show or something. And his, so. and his assistant on The Simpsons was Mike Mitchell, who was on, who does Doughboys. Like, they oh just, my, oh. wait, I love Mike. Mike, I, mean, I, I, I still get a Halloween card from him every year. He makes the coolest, most elaborate, cards and illustrations i used to work at dreamworks with him and he did go online and type in um um pete and ray shut up little man he did three short films of the little shut up you know shut up little man yeah. those those tapes but he did them with puppets like it's a muppet show thing and it's it. fucking hilarious we we talk on instagram sometimes i have to yell at him that i don't have one i interviewed him for his um the, Am the big amazon blockbuster he was in and he wasn't in the press day and i was like could i just interview you and we wow. Just, I like the I like the podcast. I'm an overweight man who likes fast food. Like, of course, I. Would. Yeah. Oh, I um, love Mike. Love him. But it is funny how just talented people end up working with talented people and then untalented yeah. people interview them. <laughs> well, would you listen to me? This, OK, this drives me crazy. And, and this hasn't happened a lot today. It happened once. I'm doing a whole string of interviews. Oh, yeah. People forget there is an art to interviewing people. That in itself is its own art form. If you read Roger Ebert's collection, you must remember this. That is a beautiful example of how to do interviews that rise to the level of art. And there have been a couple of times today and yesterday where you see those people that you're like, you think that you have somehow failed because you're an interviewer. And they literally yesterday I was interviewed and this, I'm not kidding. This woman was like, you could see her, you could hear her going down my IMDB going, uh, uh okay. Mickey's Roadster Racers. What's this? Like it's a thing. Like, I did. Oh, it's a thing. Hey. I think I did a voice. Okay. And, and like, just know, like, okay. do you, you don't have to do this for a living. And there's other people that interview you and you realize, Oh, this is actually turning into this cool, like they've either done the 10 minutes of research you need to do. That's all you need to do. Yeah. And then actually ask questions about the thing rather than you did an episode of Seinfeld. What was that like? What, like, fine. which is not an interview question. Yeah. No, I, I, <clears throat> I, I joke that I just don't really ask questions because one. But, but that seat, see, see how much more engaging and real this conversation yeah. is. I love that. Because there's only a couple of questions. Oh, why would you do the movie? It yes. When they paid. Yeah. It's the same but, but then let, yeah, but you're also you're, you're clearly present and listening to my answers because then you're keying new questions off of stuff I've said, which well, that's how you make an interview. Thing. And at, at, at the absolute worst is you probably are doing this because you want to talk to the person. You get 10, 15, 20 minutes. Bang on what it is. Just have a conversation with them. Who cares what you're talking exactly. about? Exactly. Yeah. There, there's a, if you get the collected Paris review interviews, those are also yeah. amazing in terms of, wow, they, they I'm just overhearing people talking to each other. This yeah. is fucking great. No, there's nothing better than just doing that because I don't, I'm convinced that's what people would rather watch when they watch this on yes. YouTube. Like, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. So oh, yeah. yeah, I've had a, I had a, I had one interview today and one yesterday where it, it was the classic. Yeah. What was it like doing this movie? How is doing a movie different from doing stand up? Well, like they're just, they're, they're first class. A, a, a fucking, a, an AI could do the interview. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a there's a movie there. Um, I, know you, <laughs> I know you have more of these to do, and I hope the next one is not like that. But I just want to wrap by saying- I hope the rest of them are like this one. I've actually just, I'm having a fucking conversation. I love it. this. I'll take it. And I hope that, you know, more of these types of movies get made because I think there's only a select few people who can do it. I think you're one of the oh. few people who is at their best in this. Like, I want to watch a fucked up movie where a dad kind of has to have sex with his son. But I want to see you do it and, you know, take that as it means. <laughs> I will take that as a compliment. 
<laughs> but the- <laughs> therapy will be interesting this week, I'm sure. Thanks, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Congrats again. You got it. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Be well. Bye. Bye. Thanks for doing this today. Really appreciate it. No problem. Of course, like the rest of the world, I'm, I'm a big fan of Stranger Things and a big fan of your work, especially this season, which has just been incredible. Thank um, you. Where did it all start for you? How did you get into acting? Um, I guess it started when I was around seven or eight years old. I grew up in um, like a town outside of Houston, Texas, and I didn't really know anyone that was acting or anything like that. But me and my brother just had this fascination with musical theater specifically. And we started doing community theater and then kept on doing that. At a certain point, we did regional theater at this amazing regional theater in, in, in Houston, Texas, and started training there, taking classes and stuff like that, and did a few shows there. And then eventually just um, shot our shot at Broadway and sent in a few audition tapes and I think took a trip to the city at one point to go to a few callbacks or something. And both ended up um, booking shows around the same time, which kind of required... Um, the whole family to move to the East coast so that we could do it. Um, which was, you know, very, very supportive of them. So wouldn't be here without their support. And also like, if it weren't for me and my brother kind of being in it together and like the two of us just kind of pursuing these passions. And was there a a movie or series or or anything that you were passionate about that made you want to be an actress? Um, I guess like my, my earliest inspiration was probably Aileen Quinn and Annie and like the eighties version of, of Annie with Carol Burnett and, and Bernadette Peters. Um, because it was just, you know, it was, it was girls, my age singing and dancing and acting and doing everything that I wanted to do. So I would watch that movie on repeat all the time. And that was, I guess, the kind of like my, the earliest like spark that I had just watching that and, and like reenacting the the musical numbers from that. Um, I don't know, something, something clicked there. So how did you become a part of Stranger Things? Were you a fan before or is it something that came to you, you know, kind of more naturally? Or? Um, yeah, I basically, I guess it was, was it the fall of like 2000. 16 when it first came out or something like that. I, I don't know, whatever, whatever summer or season it was that it, that the, that the, the first season premiered, um, everyone was talking about it. Stranger Things was like the, the big thing. And I, I was like, okay, fine. Like I'll watch it. And I was 14. I was like just starting my freshman year of, of high school and I watched it. And then about a week later, my manager sent me a breakdown for a role that they were auditioning girls for, for, um, season two. And I just, I'll like, I'll, I'll never forget just like reading, reading those sides and reading the breakdown about this character. And just, I feeling like, I don't know, like I just had such a good feeling about it. And I was like, this just feels right. And I, I just, I really, really, really want to do this. So I, you know, the audition process started and I think I went in about like four or five times doing the same sides. And at a certain point, um, they even thought that I was like too old for it at one point. So it was almost like not going to happen. But then um, 
but then it did. So <laughs> that was, thank God. Yeah. What was it like when you got that call and you had the, you know, the confirmation that you had the part? I mean, I mean, it was just, I think there's like a video somewhere that I will never share with anyone because it's so embarrassing. But like when the, when the Duffer brothers called me, I'm just I'm on the phone and like, I have the, the goofiest smile on my face. And it was just kind of this, this really amazing moment where I, I was just kind of, um, I was just like really proud of myself because it was something that I, that I saw and I really wanted and I worked for and to have it happen was like, just, I don't know. It, it was such an amazing moment. But then also afterwards, it just kind of settling in like, wow, like stranger things like that, that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big show. Like things are going to look, I guess, like a little different, like things are going to kind of take a turn. Um, but just the, the overall, um, emotion was just excitement and, and I just couldn't wait to like get to Atlanta and, and meet the cast and film. So, yeah. And what was it like being with Max being the new kid on the block, and especially in an established show that was so successful? It was really, you know, it was. It seemed like it was iconic from the moment it started. It's like everyone was watching it. Were you nervous? Was it? You know, what was that like? Yeah, I think um, I was more. I was more so excited than anything. Like leading up to kind of the first day of shooting, but on the official first day, I once I got there and I was like in my costume and I was like, Oh my God, like this is happening. Like this is, this is this I'm doing this. That was kind of when like the intimidation factor kind of um, set in and I felt like a little bit nervous. Um, but seeing kind of, you know, the other cast members that were, that were my age, seeing how much fun they were having and how relaxed and like low stakes, everything was, was, um, was it was really nice to kind of have their support because I was losing my mind. <laughs> What's more, what made you more nervous? The first day of, of Stranger Things or the first day on Broadway? Oh, um, I guess uh, it's a different kind of, of, of nervous. With film and television, there's room to mess up. You don't want to mess up, but if you do, it's not the end of the world. In live theater, if you mess up, it, it feels like the end of the world. Um, so, but I, but I guess when I did Broadway, I was, I was so little. And when you're little, things are just a lot, like, I, I don't know, they, there's less, there's less nerves involved and more just like excitement. And I think it was kind of similar with Stranger Things. It was just like a, a solid blend. What do you think of Max as a character? Are you alike? You know, are you similar to her in any ways? Um, I feel like the ways that we're similar are kind of, um, it's hard. You don't really see it. Like you don't see them at first. I think our outward personalities are pretty different. Um, but at this point it's hard to kind of tell in what ways are we similar or in what ways am I putting myself into the character and kind of like, there's the kind of like there's blurred lines in a sense. Um, the main thing that I've kind of um, pinpointed is like, I think we both have walls up, but they just look a little bit different. I think we're kind of hard. It's hard to gain our trust, but with Max, she makes it very obvious with me. It's, it's, it's a little bit different. You come to find it out like a little bit later, but we're closed off in our own individual ways, I guess. It's gotta be an advantage of working in television for multiple seasons. You really get to explore that character and, you know, like you said, kind of blur that line. You know, do you, did you do you feel you're bringing a lot more to her now than you were 
you know, on day one? Yeah, for sure. I think also that just kind of like comes with age and experience. And I've, it's been really fascinating to watch all of the young actors on this show um, develop their, their skills and their characters. Um, but for Max, I think season four was like a real turning point. I was, um, I guess it was 17 when we started filming and then we took a break for COVID and I came back and I was 18. Um, so yeah. And then there's starting the show at 14. There's definitely just like differences in the performance and, and kind of like a level of, um, uh, confidence that I have on set versus when I, you know, when I was a nervous 14 year old, um, on a very intimidating show. So, yeah, I guess, but I have, you know, with season four, I definitely learned a lot more about her just kind of exploring how she handles grief and, and, and pain. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to explore there with the character. And it's, uh, there's that one scene that had me choked up when she, you could see it in your eyes. The tears are welling up that, you know, your fate and no one else around you, no one else around you does. And it's like, man, it gives me the chills even talking about it. It was just incredible. And I thought there's like the, uh, the depth they've added to Max this season is really had to be a, a joy to work with the scripts and, and uh, just being part of them. Yeah, for sure. And everyone's talking about episode four, of course, uh, incredible. And, uh, you know, again, something that seems like it, it's, it's got a life of its own. It just keeps going, going, no, no, the, the song I think is number four in the top hundred right now. I'm like, how does that happen? And my, my daughters are listening to it. Their friends are listening to it. I'm like, yeah, I listened to that when I was a kid. Um, what was it like shooting that? What was it like bringing that together? I, it was, it was really wild to see the final cut because it's, it really, it's, it starts with the letter at Billy's grave. And then it just goes on for like the last 20, Mm -hmm. 20 minutes of the episode. But in reality, like that was shot over several, several weeks and very scattered Uh and like we'd visited on, on different days and it was all out of order. I think we filmed the stuff in the, in the mind layer before we filmed the stuff in the graveyard. So yeah, it was kind of like all over the place, which is hard to keep track of for sure, just in terms of like where you are emotionally and like where your stamina is and, um, also like not getting too much too soon and kind of holding out and like wanting to kind of have like an, like a progression as the, the scene intensifies. Um, but luckily we were able to keep track of all of that and it, and it worked pretty well, I guess. But um, yeah, it was, it was some of the, like the longest, but most fun days that I've had on set and most draining, but simultaneously creative fulfilling days that I've, that I've had um, just because you're playing with so much, you're playing with like, the real kind of like more um, raw, intimate, like human feelings um, with, with the letter. And then once it kind of like switches to the supernatural, then it's like horror and whatnot. And then at the end it's with with the running and everything, it's so physical, but uh, there's a lot of moving parts, but I think it was, it was, yeah, it was nice to see the final cut and to hear Kate Bush. (laughs) Yeah. Did you, were, were they playing that song while you were performing or is that just something added later? I can't, I honestly, I can't remember if it was playing on the day. Maybe it was for a few takes. I, um, sometimes there's music on set. Like a lot of people are like fans of, it's really helpful when you're doing horror stuff, when like you're supposed to be really scared and the stakes are super high, but you're looking at absolutely nothing and it's entirely made up of blue screens. So um 
a lot of the times you'll play music to kind of like amp up your emotions. Um, but I can't remember on the day, like if, if it was plain, I want to, I want to, I want to say that it, it was because you kind of have to. So all that was, you said shot over several weeks. It's really impressive that you can retain that kind of keep a, a cohesive feel to the emotion. Like that's, you know, to go back and revisit whatever it was when you're reading the letter and, and all these has to be uh has to be a real challenge. Is there anything they do, you know, the directors do, um, or that you do to kind of prepare and to get back into that mindset? Like you said, there's nothing. It's just a uh, green screen. There's no one like chasing you or like kind of inspiring you with, I don't know, like a yeah. scary costume. Well, well, Vecna was there. Vecna, like um, he, all of what you're seeing was pretty much there. Like I want to say it's like 90% oh, okay. practical effects. So, and Jamie, um, was in there and he's brilliant and was like so in it all the time and like terrifying and and just like like the best scene partner ever as horrifying as it was but um so that was really amazing to have but the one moment that that was like the trickiest to film was the scene with billy at the grave because this was kind of when covid was um still a little rocky and Dacre, um, the actor, the actor who plays um Billy lives in Australia and going back and forth from the States to Australia is like, I don't know what the whole process was, but it, it was kind of impossible for him to, to get to the States. So they had like a, a stand in the stunt double dressed as him with like the wig and everything standing in for me. And so kind of like saying the lines with someone who who was not Billy was a, a little bit of a challenge. And there were times where I'm like, how is this, like, how is this even going to look? Like, is it going to look real? Um, yeah. So to, to not have um, Dacre there was definitely the biggest challenge that I had to face in, in that sequence. But seeing it all put together at the end, I was like, oh my God, like, it looks like oh. he was really there. It's amazing. It, it, it really is. It's an amazing scene. Um and so I was going to ask you, in general, you know, you watch the series, what's it like seeing it, you know, piecing it together and then witnessing it with the sound effects and the, and the visual effects and everything all amped up to 100? Uh, you know, what's your reaction when you get to actually enjoy it and just take it in? I mean, it's, um, I feel like the music is really the, one of the biggest parts because Stranger Things has one, like the most incredible, like soundtrack and like the, the song choices are always just like spot on for whatever moment we're in um and then also like the you know the score and the, the synth the opening theme song like watching when you when you're watching an episode for the first time and that like theme song starts to play like the feeling oh, yeah. that i feel like everyone gets when they watch it is i don't know like it takes you back to like the first time you ever watched the show so it's um it's really like rewarding and exciting to to see how it all um looks in the final cut you know, we never skip that theme song every no. time we play it. We, that we like the session theme song, like there's certain theme songs you just can't. Yes. Play. Yeah. The Sopranos back in the day was another one. <laughs> uh, um, what's it like on set? What's the attitude like? You know, you said you're, it's, uh, you've got this great group of kids or well, young adults now. Um, you know, what is it? Is it like a party or is it more <clears throat> nose to the grindstone? I think, I mean, it depends on the day. It depends on the scene. There's certain times where it's like, okay, like where, you know, you have to, you have to focus. And then there's other times where it's a little bit more of like a lighthearted scene. Um, 
and it's just so fun. Like we would bring like, um, like the board game, like Catan to set and um, we play that and like a bunch of like stupid, like iPhone games and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really fun, supportive energy on set. And, and I think, um, having that behind, behind the screen helps like the, just like the overall like playfulness and the chemistry between all the characters really come to life, um, for the audience in the, in the final version. Yeah, it's one thing when I was worried when they introduced you, I was like, I don't know if we want new characters, but mm-hmm. you know, minutes in, you're like, oh no, this works. You know, there's that great <laughs> chemistry, and and as you as they grow older, the chemistry it changes, but it 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 uh it almost improves, I think. Actually, it's it's I been great, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, how have how have the fans like? What has the fan reaction been? Because you make people cry, scare them, they're cheering for you. What's it like to have that power to uh, to really affect people through your performance? I mean, I really it's 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 pretty amazing to kind. Of, I, I I honestly like I wasn't I I definitely watched episode four like that last scene and I was definitely like whoa like this is this is intense like this turned out cool but I didn't I didn't realize how much people were actually like going to like it and like really like be affected by it so to kind of um, see that what we did was like um, moving people or like making them like on the edge of their seats. It's like, and just knowing that we did it right and did justice to like what Matt and Ross envisioned for the show is, is pretty, is, is pretty amazing. But yeah, the overall reaction to the entire season has been um, overwhelmingly positive. And I think that it's amazing to see, especially after it's been years since our last season. And are there any other favorite moments besides uh, episode four, um, the, not just of this season, but of, of the series itself that you were a part of that really stand out? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, a lot of, some of my favorites are actually in volume two, which I cannot say anything about, but other than that, I think, um, the scene there were, I really liked the scene between, um, or all the scenes in general between me and, and the character Lucas played by Caleb McLaughlin. I just thought that like, it felt, it was really nice to kind of see that color of both of the characters. Cause they're in, in different places and they're kind of, um, I think Max is most herself when she's around Lucas and the same goes for him. So anytime that we're watching them interact, I feel like is really, really special and um, kind of heartbreaking this season, just seeing how much, she's distanced herself from the person who could probably help the most. And you, so you stranger things than you did the, the fear street series. Um, are you a fan of horror or is it something that just like, you know, are, are you being chosen? Or are these, are you choosing these projects? I know the story behind stranger things now, but. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just kind of, it just kind of happened. I really, um, there's a lot of horror out there right now. Like it's, it's very big right Mm. now. Um, so there's lots of options in terms of like projects and and characters and within the horror genre. Um, but I think I personally do not watch scary movies. Um, it's like, it's just, it's never been my jam, but I really, I I love filming like horror scenes. Um, especially because with Fear Street, I love that, like the physicality of it and like, you know, fight sequences and stuff like that. That was something that I hadn't really done a lot of before. So I kind of wanted to like dip my toes in that. And I think that it definitely like prepped me for some of the, the more physical, um, 
scenes that I had to do in season four. So it's all, it's nice to have like those like learning experiences as I'm kind of, you know, growing as, as an actress. Ever get nightmares or from any of this stuff from making it itself? No, I didn't. No, I don't think so. Like, yeah. The, the most like of a like, nightmare that I would get would just be like messing up or like falling or something like that. Like that's my version of a nightmare, I guess. That's a pretty bad nightmare. At least it's not on Broadway, right? So, it's, oh yeah, that's true. So you have coming up uh, the whale with uh, Darren Ar- Aronofsky, uh, Brendan Fraser, Samantha Morton. That's uh, that's got to be quite exciting to be involved with a project of of that stature. Uh, what's what's that like? How you you know? Have, is there anything you can tell me about that? Yeah, I mean, um, it was one of the best experiences that I, I've had um, in a, like on a film before, because it was just, Darren is obviously, you know, like a genius and and working with him. He's such an actor's director while also being such a, a visionary. And, um, so working with someone like him was really incredible. And the way that we approached that project, we kind of treated it like a play that was kind of Darren's intention. Um, because the world is a play and he kind of wanted to honor that formula, I guess. So we had a rehearsal process, which really helped in terms of getting to know our characters and feeling really prepared when, when it was time to shoot it. And, um, Brendan Fraser is like, he's probably my favorite human ever, I think. And working with him was, was incredible. And yeah, I'm really excited for everyone to see it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's got it's got a buzz already and it's not even out or I, I don't think oh, anyone's even seen good. anything, but maybe a couple of stills. So, oh, um, and are there any projects that you're looking forward to taking on in the future? You know, this these this season and, and now uh, the whale have got to be opening doors for you. Is there anything that you'd like to do from you know more drama stage or even something, say, like a, a superhero film? <laughs> I mean, I would yeah, eventually I'd love to do like a little bit of everything. Um, I would definitely like to do, um, something in theater again soon, kind of like in the future or something, but I, yeah, I would love to kind of go, go, go back to that because, you know, that's where everything was born. And like, I, I would just, I, I would love to do that again. Um, and I think, yeah, more, more like dramas and stuff like that. Like I really liked doing the whale, like stuff like that. And then also the moments in stranger things where it is just like a little bit more, um, like grounded and, and you're not as fun as Vecna is. Like, I really liked the moments where like it was um, more, yeah, like a kind of like a, a drama or like a little bit more human. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd like to kind of do projects that revolve around that a bit more. I look forward to seeing it all. And real quick one, three words to describe Max. Ooh, ugh. she is determined she is mysterious and mm, I want to say, wait, I'll just say closed off. I guess it's, yeah, we'll go with just closed off or like shielded. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Guarded. 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 Yeah. There okay. we go. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of this season and uh, thank you so much for taking the time and, uh, and best of luck going forward. Thank you so much. It was so nice talking to you.
How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing okay. You know, just sitting here in Atlanta, getting ready to uh, move out after uh, finishing Guardians Volume Three, at least the filming part of it. Yeah, must be it. Must be fun to be like, I, I'm obviously going to work and I'm getting paid, but also, you know, I get to go somewhere that I've been, and like, it's it's not a vacation, but also it's probably a comfort level there to be like, I'm familiar. I know where to go eat. I know where to go, like, you know, take a walk. There's something. Well, there. Yeah. I mean, I live my home right now is in Georgia. So it's uh, that's yeah. I, I moved here because I've been filming so much here. I shot Guardians 2 here. I shot Guardians 3 here. I shot the Suicide Squad here. Um, so I have a house that's, you know, a uh, nice location and nice amount of, uh, you know, trees and stuff like that. So I really love it. I grew up in Missouri. So Georgia is very close to what I, I know. Fair enough. The house that Spandex built. There you go. Uh, uh, I've uh, I've long loved your stuff, even going back to like Slither and like I, I I've seen all of the PG porn. So like, oh uh, yeah, great. I've been around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you can't. You haven't lived till you see PG porn. Oh, it was my favorite thing to show people for a while until I realized, you know, sometimes you're being creepy. Uh, <laughs> Got to know who you're showing it to. Yeah. Uh, but I I was so in love with the Suicide Squad last year and made my top 10 and i'm not a huge tv watcher you know i see too many movies i gotta like not look at a screen once in a while or i'll yeah not have a relationship or eyeballs but uh i knew i wanted to watch this one just because you created this character that you you're enraged by and 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 amused by and you give a shit about despite necessarily no reason to except the skill of the writing and and the performance, and like when you were thinking about making the show, why was it Peacemaker as opposed to any of the other like bizarre characters that you made us fall in love with and then brutally murder? I think it's a couple reasons. I think number one, um, you know, I, I love all the characters from Suicide Squad, but we learned a lot about Ratcatcher 2's backstory, a lot about Bloodsport's backstory, a lot about where Polka Dot Man came from. We didn't learn much about Peacemaker, his background, where he came from. And John Cena and I had a lot of conversations about who this guy really was, how awkward he was, how in this turn, you know, in this group of outcasts and losers, the guy who's the biggest braggart and the guy who seems like he's the frat boy popular guy is actually the guy who's the most insecure and the guy who feels the most out of place in any setting. And so I thought that that was, you know, great fodder for a story about a human being. Also, he had the most to grow. He was a jerk and uh, the rest of them had some sort of change in them. Uh, and uh, and I think that he had a lot of stuff to do. And, and frankly, also, I just liked working with John Cena. He's a great guy. He's got a lot of integrity. And I, I saw a an ability in him that I didn't think was fully brought out in him as an actor and that no medium, whether TV or film, had completely taken advantage of his talent. And I thought that building a show around this character would help the world to glimpse how talented a guy he really was in this in, as an actor. Totally. And I think something that's underrated is I think anyone who's acting now who has a wrestling background, like if they have the ability to be an actor... There's a lot you can tap into because there's so many skills that you need there. You need to be able to make fun of yourself, even though you need to project this strength. That I feel like, you know, if you can if you can hit your lines and act, you can probably be a pretty good comedian while looking like an action hero. Like it, it, it just seems like it's how could you not want to play with that type of like clay to mold? It's almost anything's on the table. 
Yeah, although I, I do have to say, I think that wrestlers who can actually act are pretty rare. Yeah. Um, and even a lot of the actors that are making livings acting, I'm not sure that they're really that good. I don't believe them. I don't see it in their eyes. But the thing that sets aside, you know, apart people like like John and, and Dave Batista, who I've worked with a lot, is there's just a reality to where they are. And you see it in the eyes. Yeah. And that groundedness is a rare thing. Um and John, in addition, also has the ability to really flow with the, the comedic uh, elements of something. He's really a funny, funny guy uh, once he gets going and probably the best improv actor I've ever seen in my life. Well, I mean, you you write material that I feel like you have to have that sense of, of humor almost to, to get because it's yeah. it's very specific, but also somehow has become universal, which for a weirdo like me is kind of the highest compliment of like, you make a thing that you feel like 12 people should like, but 12 yeah. million people like. It's, yeah, it's, it's cracking weird. It is strange. Yeah, it is. Because so many things, you know, they, you know, when you're making jokes about Batmite <laughs> and then suddenly that's the biggest show ever on HBO Max. You're like, what the heck is going on? But it's cool. It's really cool that I can do the stuff I really love and have people watch it. Does it embolden you? Because you're just like, I keep getting away with this. Like, why would I not get more specific as opposed to less? Well, it does embolden me. But I think what emboldens me the most is just I've noticed that when I'm just being authentic and I'm telling the story that I really want to tell, that it works well with the audience. The audience gets it. I don't have to dumb things down. I don't have to make things less complicated. I mean, there's, you know, Peacemaker on its face is very simple. It's it's crass and, and crude, but really when you take it apart, it's not simple. It's a, it's a, a drama shrouded by a comedy, shrouded by a horror movie, shrouded by, you know, a science fiction tale. So it's all of these different things put together in a really true mix of genres, but that still all goes back to these characters and the relationships between them. And that's the most important thing. That's what we really hang our hats on. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, but people have no problem understanding that, you know, they don't have any problem with the fact that we have a dance scene at the beginning, you know, if anything, it's beloved, which yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which if ever there was a thing to be like, I can kind of go wherever I want. Is there to no one has questioned why this is here only delighted that it exists. And that's a great example of just how committed everyone is because everybody looks like they're putting on the high school musical in that opening dance. Yeah. Everyone yeah, they, is so committed. There's totally committed. And the seriousness, of course, makes it both funny and weird and odd. And yeah, I think that that was my signal to the audience from the beginning that don't think about what you expect from, you know, superhero TV shows. That isn't what this is. This is its own animal. Um, be prepared for anything. And that's we're going to show you that you can and it can be anything with starting with a dance. Yeah. Well, when it can be anything, and especially, you know, you, you, you come up with the idea, you're really kind of starting from scratch. You can go anywhere. How do you find a, a compelling story? You know, a movie, obviously, there's some sort of a time limitation, even in a, you know, a franchise. Yeah. You know, this is this is longer form and can go on like you. You really could have had him do almost anything and it probably would have been OK, if not better. So how do you find something that one interests you but also feels like it's also going to be the right show you know because it could be anything well i think that i knew that there was something about peacemaker that was inherently 
about our time today. I mean, in a number of ways, it was, it was, you know, social and political in the right ways that I felt like I wanted to play with. And I really haven't done that much in my career thus far. He's a guy who's a little backwards. He's like a lot of guys I grew up with. He's also been in prison for four years. So he's missed the Me Too movement. He's missed a lot of things that have changed in just four years. He doesn't understand the internet. He believes everything he reads on Facebook and Twitter and wherever, uh, like a lot of people I know and have to deal with online. Um, and he meets this woman who is uh, Leota Adebayo, who's the opposite of him, you know, and is, is uh, you know, politically very different from him, in many ways very different from him. And yet at the same time, there's something about the two of them that, are very similar and they have the same, they have a sense of humor they share in, in various things. And it's a kindness that she has towards him that he's just thirsty for, dying for. And that relationship to me was the center of the story. And I found doing a television program very freeing because in a movie, at the end of the day, it is about plot, uh, at least when you're making big spectacle films. You have to push from one scene to the next. Uh, the audience gets, you know, Frustrated very quickly if you stick around too much, you know, with characters talking, focusing too much on the minutia of relationships. Uh, And in a television show, I I was really able to spread out and go into the nuances of these different relationships, whether it's Peacemaker with uh, Leota or Peacemaker with Harcourt or Peacemaker with Vigilante or whomever. I think that that made this fun for me and exciting and new. Um, And so I was really creatively invigorated by all that. For sure. I think there's a little bit of that in Super, though. I think you put them in tights and have them talk. You know, there's a little bit of everything in that one, but there's... Yes. Yeah. Yes, there's definitely a lot of Super's DNA in Peacemaker, you know? Sure. But, you know, I, I can't get to the place where all of a sudden I'm talking about, you know, like, if, if you know, if, if this was a movie, you know, Harcourt and uh, Peacemaker would have either had to get together at the end of the movie or you'd leave them. You know, I mean, it's like that's not what their relationship is. It's much more nuanced than that. It's much more real than that. And that's the kind of stuff that you just don't have time to do in a movie. You want people want firmer answers, even if those firm answers are, are a question that you're leaving for whatever the next you know episode of that franchise film is. Totally. I, I wouldn't have hated like a 10 minute King Shark dialogue sequence, though. I would have I would have been OK with that. <laughs> you're right in that it, you you do have to know it's like, you know, the difference between a play and and a movie. You know, you, who's pitching to the back of the crowd and, yeah. and how subtle can you be? And, and I think what makes the show work is it it doesn't feel like there's any change. It just feels like this is that story as opposed to I'm in a different medium. I'm in a different format. And that's that's kind of the secret sauce is that it doesn't feel less fun it doesn't feel like a compromise it doesn't feel like it's trying to be artier it just feels like well this is how i would spend about six eight six hours with uh with this guy yeah and i I, you know i get him and i like him and i don't like him and i i know he means well in his own really bad and that's he does yeah and you see in the show like he's an asshole in 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 uh in in suicide squad but at the very beginning of the you know first episode of Peacemaker, we find out a couple of things about the guy that I think give us some compassion for him. Number one, his dad is 
10, 20 times as bad as he is. Like wherever he's coming from, he's grown. He's better than what came before him. That's number one. And number two, he's got an eagle. He, he, he treats like his baby. And that sort of sweetness in him is something we never see in the Suicide Squad. So I think that, you know, we, we have a couple of things that we realize this guy's a little more to him than what we saw in the movie. Yeah, it's, it's such a natural evolution. You know, even I was thinking about just the line, like, who knows why mad men do what they do? Like, it's such a funny, not yeah. throwaway line, but it's just meant to be a, a fun line and play really well in the trailer and work in the movie. But when you start to watch the show, you go, well, no, he would also think that because he would be yeah. sort of puzzled and frustrated. And it would be, I, I don't know why. And I wish they did, but I, I don't. So I kill them. That's just how I understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a complicated guy, and I think he's done a lot of shitty stuff. But he, uh, you know, at his core, yeah, I think he's able to change, and that's what separates him from his father and some of the other characters. Yeah, and that's what makes him interesting is, you know, we, we so often see people who don't, you know, get the point, but then aren't open to getting the point. Like, he doesn't get the point, but he's open to learning, and that's part of the, the fun. You know, we see every day on, on Twitter, you know, whatever innocuous thing someone says, there's an immediate reaction, but you didn't mean this. I mean, you may have experienced that quite recently. You know? I did. I did. I, know. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw this wonderful, beautiful post while I'm in the middle of being depressed about something going, what a great sentiment, followed by people being like, you monster. Like, I, I'm baffled sometimes with people on Twitter. Like, I just don't I don't get the, the lack of checking oneself a little bit. That's kind of what we've lost with the, the anonymity of you know, of social networking is people being able to, you know, say, hey, wait a second, I read this thing and I'm having an angry reaction to it. Maybe I can hold back for a second and question what that person's intent was in the tweet I'm reacting to. But really, a lot of what Twitter has become is this thing where people go into it with that, you know, that anger, which is a frustration that I understand of so many people who have an anger in today's society uh, and then they want to lash out and that lashing out gives them some semblance of power where they don't feel any, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have a you have a creative outlet that not everyone does. So, you know, we should all be so lucky to be like, well, I got some things I want to say. Who's got a hundred million dollars? Because I got a couple of things I want to do. You know, there's <laughs> there's a special thing there that you can work it out and be like, I'm going to do my therapy, but it's going to involve John Cena and a CGI eagle. Like there's there's a. You know, you're living in some idealistic place where my work uh, is a form of therapy as opposed to something that makes me need more therapy, which it actually does. So, uh, yeah, I, I do get to work out issues, but it's, you know, it takes a lot out of me. And so, you know, that's been something I've needed to learn to deal with over the years. I think we all have. As we sort of wrap up, like, what does it feel like to then, once you've kind of like gotten it out of your system? to then come back and talk about it. Because I mean, the first time you wrote something for John to play as Peacemaker was how many years ago? And now it's coming back around to talk about, as opposed to you haven't seen it, but when you see it, you'll like it, and then we'll talk more. Everyone knows what you did. Is it weird? Like, do you feel any more removed? Obviously you made a movie in between, or is it just like, I'm, I'm always thrilled to do this because how could I not want to talk about something that I enjoyed like this because I no, I think it just depends on it depends on the day. Like you know, today I'm excited. I haven't been doing a lot of interviews lately. I just got done shooting my movie, so you know it makes it more fun to talk about this kind of stuff. Whereas when you're in the midst of when I was in the midst of making a movie and then also having to go do twenty interviews a day, like that can get and you're just kind of saying the same thing you know many times. That can get really difficult. But one thing I found is that like 
Peacemaker's still fresh. Like I wrote Peacemaker when lockdown started, like even after lockdown started, after a couple of months of lockdown. Um, that's when I started writing Peacemaker. So it wasn't that long ago that I wrote the series. It got made a immediately and then came out pretty quickly thereafter and it was coming out and that was a real amount of i love the process of television of putting something out that's a long-form story and you get to touch base with the audience every week as they you know find out another piece of your story it's an exciting thing um so it isn't that doesn't feel that distant to me and not to mention the fact that i'm now i'm gonna have to start writing peacemaker season two and so that it, it's still very present. It's in my mind a lot, you know, and conversations like this help me to work out, well, you know, how I know where Peacemaker is going next. How do we get there exactly? Um, <laughs> what do you know? What what worked? What didn't? You know, all those types of questions. Oh, yeah, you're not working out plot based on someone being like, you know what I really like, but I'm sure there's this little thing in the back of your mind. OK, I keep hearing about these couple of things and I'm not going to do the same thing but I know what I was thinking when I got to that moment that got that reaction. So, okay, now I have that in in my head as I'm, you know, creating, you know. Although I think it can be, it can be a danger both ways. I mean, I think it can be a danger when you're copying yourself, which I've done. And I think it can be a danger when you're working against what the expectations of something you're doing is because both of those things are ways in which you're uh, acting. uh, You're letting the past dictate your future as opposed to letting your present dictate your future. And what I like to do is try to put myself in a state of nothingness as much as possible and just see what's there. And that to me is the the freest place for creativity. Um, I I think as just to sort of end on, I think you're as good at that as anyone, because, you know, these giant projects are their IPs. There's, if anything would feel like, okay, you have to color within the lines. It would be these projects, but they feel so unique and personal that if you are somehow coloring in the lines, it's with this giant vat of like acid as opposed to paint that you're just throwing at it and letting it be you. So whether it's I'm within the lines, but it's the way no one else would do it or I'm taking it outside the lines, but it just seems like the way you want it. You're able to sort of walk between the worlds. I mean, quite literally in terms of the IP, but in terms of just making things that feel like the guy who made Slither and PG porn would make with a budget as opposed, as well as being these giant things that almost anyone can enjoy. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, listen, I just tell stories. I like, I feel restricted. I don't feel restricted at all making movies, uh, you know, like the suicide squad or even guardians guardians is they're PG 13 films, but I I'm, it depends on who you're speaking to. I'm speaking to families. I know that. So I'm not going to be saying uh, the F word at every turn, Um, but I'm always making the stories that I want to tell. I've never held back at all, uh, no matter what the size of the movie. In fact, when I first came into Marvel, I think my first draft of Guardians, I did try to like contain myself because I was afraid of getting too weird, you know, and I was afraid of pushing people away because I'm odd. And they were like, no, go Full on be yourself. And then a lot of the best moments of Guardians came out of that. And uh, and I think Peacemaker is simply the, the most me of anything I've ever done. Like there's there's nothing that has really allowed me to go and be as free as this television show has been, which is crazy because it's a big budget premiere 
TV show uh, featuring, uh, you know, characters from DC Comics. Yeah. Well, um, but it is. I love it. Yeah. And like, let me be the millionth person to say, keep up the good work. Because listen, thank you. Whether it's Marvel saying, you know, it's it's a sentient, like murderous raccoon. You can be a little weirder, you know, yeah. or you're just making this character that so easily could be just despicable. Someone you care about. It's it's amazing. And I, I can't wait to see what's next. And that just goes for anything you do because you have such a unique voice and you seem to be having so much fun, which is the other thing. You want people who do this job to like what they do, because, listen, so many people have jobs they don't like. If they go yeah. and watch someone to enjoy, if they go to enjoy themselves and watch someone clearly not enjoying themselves, that's yeah. how could yeah. you not be pissed at them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's no resentment in my work. You know, I think that and a, a lot of times, a lot of directors I know, they have a certain amount of resentment towards the stories that they're telling or who they're telling them for. And I don't have that. I, you know, I, I feel, you know, pure in what I'm doing. And I think that if there's anything that keeps me away from being too weird from, uh, you know, for, for bigger audiences, because emotionally, I really am open and I believe, and I love my characters and I'm very like sincere in that and the love that I have for my characters. And I think, I hope that that reads to an audience and, um, and that I think is something that anybody can relate to. So it makes it very, you know, it makes it easier for an audience member. Like even when I was making Peacemaker, I'm like, yeah, this guy's crass. This guy, you know, there's a lot of political stuff here. There's a lot of different elements, but I never want it to be a show that's holding people at bay. It never, I never want it to be cool. You know, it's not about ever being cool. It's always going to invite the audience in as opposed to pushing them away. And that was sort of the thing that I talked about with the producers, all the actors from the beginning in what the, sh the tone of the show was. And I found like this sort of what to me is really this, this fun middle ground of being edgy, but also very inviting at the same time. Right. And the love that you share is reciprocated. And what else can we ask for? So I, I'm thrilled. I love it. I can't wait to see what's next. And, and this was, this was delightful. I, like I said, I've, I've loved your stuff for a long time. So oh, thanks. Man. Whether it's Oh, my pleasure. Whether it's even weirder than this or, or a little more towards the middle, I, there's no one doing what you're doing. So please thanks, do keep man. it up. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, dude. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. It's no secret that I'm a big fan of Zoe Deutsch. I've uh, spent years trying to get her more acclaim than she's received because she's amazing in films like Buffalo and Flower and now Not Okay. Zombieland Part 2, she steals the, the show. You know, you she's an incredibly talented actress, and as it turns out, over the conversation we had earlier this year and uh, just recently, really fun person to talk to as well. So that's a nice uh, bonus, as it were. So um, when the uh, press tour we're going on for Not Okay happened, we couldn't make a time work, but uh, I'm glad that uh, her people and uh, her as well were eager to make sure this still happened. So a little later than we anticipated, but we now have had our Not Okay discussion. So if you haven't seen my review, definitely check it out on the site. You can watch it on Hulu. I think it's a great movie. And uh, I spoke to Quinn Shepard about it. You can listen to it on the site. You can watch it on the site as well. 
And uh, today you can listen to Zoe and I talk about the film, um, how she makes these decisions for what to do. Um, we even talk about Burger King a little bit. Uh, it was a wide-ranging chat, so you can listen to that now without further ado. Enjoy Zoe and I discussing Not Okay. Hi, how are you? I'm uh, exhausted. I The train got stuck, and it's raining, so it's great. It's a great uh, day. Class, those, it's a classic sort of situation. Oh. Oh, it's a hundred percent. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm um, I'm sorry that you've had a day. No, no. You can tell it's a day because there's Burger King in the background of my of my picture. That's that's oh. the day it's been. I love. Is it? Uh, are you in New York? Oh yeah, Brooklyn. It's raining right now. It's like that summery. Like it could rain any minute. Drizzles a tiny bit. Now it's a million degrees. It'll rain again. So. Means I gotta send a text to bring a package in. There you go. Because it might rain more. Uh, Rain. This is the content everyone's come for, clearly. Us handling our business. Yes. But yeah, they chose. Um, All right, wait, I'm literally just going to, because of this new information, I'm just sending a quick okay. I have a package outside. Can you grab it if it is raining? Okay. <laughs> anyway. It will, it will be raining again shortly, so you're handling it. Um, so I, uh, I think you'll understand what I mean by this. I don't think there's many people who could have played this role. And I think that also is something I could have said to you for Buffaloed. And I think it's something I could have said for Flower. I think there's a very specific type of character that you do incredibly well that I think a lot of people, and this is nothing against them, might struggle with. And that there's, I think a lot of times a need to be liked. That's not always what the character would be doing. And I think because actors and actresses intrinsically are like, look at me, I'm great. I want to be in front of people for a living. It kind of feeds in. Yeah. Playing like a villain. And I think this is so rare. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't done a ton of introspective thinking as to why these three... And I would I would actually probably include the... I played... um. A character named Infinity on the politician, and I might include her in that in the like trio of buffaloed uh, flower and now not okay um, characters. I haven't done a ton of I haven't done a deep dive as to why these I'm attracted to these parts because I would be lying if I said in my everyday life I didn't care if people like no. me or not. Like, of course, I'm doing this for a living if you right. didn't care. Right. You know, so it's an interesting it's an interesting thing for me to sit in front of people in interviews and say, I don't care if my characters are liked or not. I care if they're relatable or not, because that's not something that I can say rings true to how I want to be perceived. You know, no, you just have um, a talent for showcasing it in the characters. <laughs> I don't know. I think I have a. I don't know if I, I don't think it's a talent. I don't think it's very nice, but I, I, I guess the only thing I can think of is that I, I don't perceive them to be unlikable. No. I mean, so, so in, 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 no, but of course I understand why you would. Yeah. I'm just going to close the door. It's loud. Oh yeah. No, that word is just like, it's shorthand for what it really is, which is just, you know, they are. And this goes, I think even for like zombie land, it goes for characters that are not, you know, harder to like, per se. They just, they are who they are. I think that's mainly what you do so well is whoever you're playing, you just 100% believe this is the person they are and they're not really putting up fronts unless it's a character like in this who specifically is pretending to be someone they're not. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you um, uh, 
seeing it for that and not that I just am an overactor. <laughs> no, I like I really like big characters and I have so many people in my life that are big characters and uh and 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 it's it's fun to go all out, of course. I mean that's the that's the thing about even if the movie is is huge or if the movie is small cuz I I always think of everybody wants some in dirty grandpas like the two extremes of what a movie can be. Like one's they're both making you laugh or trying to, and they're like on the opposite end of the spectrum of how they're doing it. But I think your characters are just, we're real people in the middle of these situations. And I think that's, that not everyone would play it that way. Same with, same with, same with this role, especially like some people go even bigger. Some people would underplay it. There's, there's a right wavelength that you're on that makes you give a shit about these people when, especially with this one, it would be easy not to and be like, yeah, she deserves it all. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> what, what, what I always wonder is like, ah, you know, when you read a role like this, how do you know it's right? Because I'm sure for every, you know, five or 10 that are good, there's a hundred that you go, no, it's either not a good script or like not right for me, or there's a reason why. So how do you narrow it down and then go, I think I can do that? It's a good question. The, well, the only parts that I've done that I haven't auditioned for, which is a very helpful way to know if you're right for something or not, um, uh, for yourself and for the people making the decision, the only parts I've ever done or movies I've ever done that I, I haven't auditioned for are the ones that um, that I produced. So, so Buffaloed, um, Not Okay, and... Um, and something from Tiffany's, which is about to come out. Uh, so those, so th- those are the only movies that I've I've done that I. So to answer your question, most of the time the audition is the experience yeah. where I can feel it in my body and I can go, oh, this feels right. This doesn't feel right. And other people also get to determine that too. <laughs> Many people also get to determine that. Um, but I think with not okay, I I didn't necessarily know that I was right or could do it, but it it really inspired me and also scared me and i um i was i felt very in line creatively with quinn the filmmaker and i and i had sent it to my acting teacher too who was like you you absolutely have to do this so she's sort of my uh if i'm ever sort of oh god can i do this will i you know she's the person who's like yeah (laughs) it's helpful to have that because there are things that Maybe you need someone, not you specifically, but anyone in general to go, I don't know about that for whatever reason. It's not It's not because it's bad. It could just be like, I think that's just. And somebody who doesn't yeah. have skin in the game, who's exactly. not, you know, who, who truly is. It's like having a, you know, a therapist, but different, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you want someone, you want an outside perspective that doesn't have, that, that hopefully is not biased in a way, you know, for for various reasons. Um, so she's a very helpful guide um, and, and gives me advice sometimes when I'm, I'm on the fence, which is often. I'm really, uh, for being such an opinionated person, I'm pretty indecisive about, um, like I'll read something, not with not okay, not okay, I was I was an immediate, holy shit, this is amazing. But I, am, I, I have found myself to be weirdly indecisive considering again i'm i'm so opinionated you would think I, yes no yeah. i'll be yeah. like well but there's this i don't know about you know i, I talk myself in circles for years so at that point it could be anything it could be the best movie ever made it could be the worst movie ever made there's so many things still to go in it a lot of things probably don't even get to you if they're not at a not certain like quality level of like okay someone thinks there's money for this movie that's why it's coming to me 
So yeah, there is, there is something to be said for someone to know that because you see all the time people who end up in things and you never want to necessarily be in something where someone goes, well, I hope they got paid. You're like, oh, don't tell me that. Like I did, but still that's not a, <laughs> that's not okay. Like don't tell no. me that. And, and I mean, even with this, you know, there's, there's something very relatable, even in an unrelatable character, if everybody looks at Instagram and gets upset or jealous, just because it is everyone putting forth their best life. You know, I only post a picture of myself when I'm at an event, not when I'm sitting at home sad, like no one. Yeah. I mean, so there's, there's something there of, okay, I understand where this would go, even if I would probably not have made the same choice as this character. Well, I mean, I think there's a couple things about that for sure. It, um... I always, th- the, the the movie is actually a timeless story just set in a very specific time. So it's really about a, a, um, about a young woman, a lonely young woman who, um, who's seeking validation and attention from somebody that she has a crush on and, and it completely devolves into madness. Now that's obviously oversimplifying it, but it is what the movie's about. She doesn't seek any of this out for internet fame, though that becomes something that she realizes gives her attention and love, which she felt was lacking in her life. Um, she was, she was, she, you know, there, the, the two moments for me that always went, that were really important were, when Mia Isaac's character says, hey, do you have any friends? And she's like, yeah, we're here together right now. And when her mom is like, I love you and I'm proud of you. And she's hearing that maybe for the first time, those two sentences combined for the first time ever from her mother. And you you, you witness how though she's privileged, though she's entitled, though she's um, super misguided and also says every inappropriate thing under the sun, she's super unself-aware, she's lonely. Exactly. And she just wants love. And that to me is, is really at its core what the movies, what, what her, her journey is about. Right. I mean, even, even scenes that I think are, are played for laughs also get at that, you know, giving, giving the, the swag bag to the homeless person, you know, it ends up being a laugh line because the fuck do I want with this stuff? I can't do anything like this. Yeah, yeah. It's still like, Oh, well she, she sees this as a moment of like, I've grown, I'm giving this away. And it, and the movie does, it's so rare that a movie can sort of have it both ways. And that's Quinn. That's your performance of like, you're never in doubt that most decisions she's making are wrong, but you're never in doubt that this is a person who, you know, take the situation away, doesn't want to hurt others, isn't, you know, a, a malicious person. But at the same time, the movie doesn't forgive the character, which is such a rare thing. Like the end of the movie, the character lives with consequences. And yeah. I think 99% of other movies would, would veer away from that at the end and go, well, we need, we need something, if not a happy ending, just she's going to be okay. And it's like, well, I mean, have you seen the title of the movie? Like, maybe not like, but oh, look, we, we struggled with that ending. We, we had so many different iterations of that ending. I'm, I'm really proud of, of what, what it ended up being. And, and it's so interesting to hear people's perspectives about what that ending means. Um, and and how how it's also taken on a life of its own which is the whole point of making art right like you do it and then it's yours it's yours it's yours it's your baby and then you wrap it up in a bow and you send it off it's not yours anymore and now it's theirs it's yours um and then sometimes you see it on cable (laughs) wait that's me (laughs) um but that ending i think i when i watched it all all put together i felt like even though she didn't have a redemption arc it was the first good decision that she made in the movie, which is growth, right? Yeah. That is real growth. 
And that to me in and of itself is, is, is a valid worthy ending. She, she yeah. realizes if she's apologizing to this person because she needs to for her, when that person's not ready to receive it, then it's not an apology for them at all. It's for her. So uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I really like the ending, but it, it was a very interesting journey getting there. What's well, a fair ending? It's fair to the characters and not just her, yeah. which speaks to her growth of it's like you said, it's a choice not about her. It's a choice the movie makes that's not about her to allow someone else to have the spotlight. Like everything about it is of that same mind. And again, it comes back to like you being on point with your performance. Like Quinn, it's upsetting how good she is at her job considering she's the youngest person in any room. Like it's like the fact that it works as well as it does when it does have such a potential to be off-putting in a way because people aren't used to like having to deal with, well, this is the character. You're going to sit with this character is a testament to everyone involved, if nothing else, just being on the same page. And that's, that's hard in and of itself. There's how many people making the same thing. Everybody in their mind has a different movie they're making to some degree. To come together is always kind of a miracle, no matter what movie it is. I agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. It is. It feels like a, it, it sounds dramatic, I think, to anybody who, you know, who reads it on paper and people are like, it's a miracle when it comes together. Or it's a miracle when it doesn't like blow <laughs> go flames. It's a miracle when people watch it. But it really is just because there are so many moving pieces and there are so many different elements and uh, small and big and everything in between uh, that feel really out of your control. And so when it does come together, it really does feel like yeah. Miracle. <laughs> even even on a production with zero problems, it doesn't lack for anything. There's still a writer, a director, actors who all read the same line of dialogue and heard it a different way in their head, and and everyone has to come together and either figure out which way works for everyone or or talk that out. And like they're great problems, but they're still well. What movie are we making? Because everyone totally. imagined a great movie. It totally it doesn't even. It, it's like if you put five people in a room and you know you guys have a you guys have a conversation right. every single person will walk away from that conversation he, remembering and feeling a different way everybody's memories are different everyone's perception you know perceptions of reality are different and it is fascinating when you have hundreds of people doing that making making something and what comes out of it and uh it's it's such a it's um it's pretty fascinating for sure yeah. oh yeah no it's it's what makes this a fun thing to do and talk about besides the you know various riches um, <laughs> more for you than me less riches on my end I, I don't um, know. Burger, yeah. burger king i would i would say is i love burger king big fan i mean i'm, I'm not only having it because it's been a day um, <laughs> I, this is always a pleasure to do and and you know how much i i appreciate flour and buffalo so i think that this stands tall with that is is a compliment that i think is obvious but also it's one of those if you know you know things no, I really appreciate it. And thank you for always being such a um, a champion. And I, I really, it means the world. So thank you for your oh, my... thoughtful words and for, and for taking the time to, it's so, it's such a gift and people truly understand and take the time to appreciate, um, you know, what's been done. It, it's, it's really, it's rare and it's really lovely. So. Oh, it's my pleasure. Cause at the end of the day, what do you have besides, did I have a good time? And I hope people enjoyed it. Like, yeah. That's all there is besides the aforementioned fame and Burger King. <laughs> Have it your way. Uh, thank you so much, as always. So nice to talk to you, Joey. Likewise, be well. You too. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>